You're listening to I'll Have What She's Podcasting, a film and pop culture podcast hosted by Louise Oliver and Jackie Farmer, two tired feminist millennials giving you opinions you didn't ask for about the content they love. That's um, very 2014, Jackie. Very, very on brand for me in 2014. Making memes. <laughs> yeah, pleased to see her again. I've decided to hit record uh, because okay. I've realised that um, a lot of what we've just said is hilarious and it's golden and I feel like we, we should have We're recorded so it. We're so funny. We are so funny. We're hilarious. Um, so funny. How many listens do we have now? How many people think we're funny at this point? Oh, I don't know. I haven't checked things. for at least 15 minutes. Well, let's have a look. <laughs> Ladies um, and gentlemen, she has a mic now. Uh, she's a professional. <laughs> <laughs> we have 17 on episode two. That's pretty good going. And, yeah, and 77 on episode one. So I think some people have maybe gone back and listened to the first one. And how today. many of those people are us, do we think? I listened once on Spotify today. I listened once on So does that iTunes. Spotify numbers do, do the iTunes and Spotify numbers go onto the SoundCloud? Is that an overarching number count? I have absolutely no idea. And I would like to point out that I also have another podcast that's been running for like a year and a half, two years now. Very and good I, one. Thank you. And I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> so uh yeah. So that about sums up my savviness and such matters. We're not here for the fame, Louise. No. <laughs> Thank God. We're here because we enjoy creating a highbrow art. Absolutely. That's exactly why we're here. It's got nothing to do with uh, the fripperies of uh, of a claim. I don't need I don't no. need a claim. I've gotten to <laughs> to the age of 36 without it quite successfully. So why <laughs> why break the habit of a lifetime? I claim you. Oh. I've just noticed you're wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. I am wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. Thank you for noticing. I will honestly say it wasn't that deliberate. It was it's the t-shirt I wear to bed, which oh. I have now confessed to anyone who's listening, I am still wearing at two minutes past eight in the evening. But it is also a panic. Still day. wearing, not wearing again. I mean <laughs> Who knows at this point? Who knows? I don't. I don't even know what day it is. What are we talking about today, Jackie Farmer? Today, Louise Oliver, we are going to talk about the third and, in my opinion, finest of the Star Wars films, Return of the Jedi. I know that probably I'm maybe the only person with that opinion, but it's my favourite and I love it. And I'm really excited to talk about it. I'm excited for you. Interestingly enough, um, I know I said at the top of the last one that Empire was my favourite, but mm-hmm. I I so enjoyed rewatching Jedi that now I'm like, oh no, Jedi's my favourite. I think it's I'm just tickled. so fun. It's such a good, fun movie. I went movie back is. and looked at some reviews of when it, or like two reviews of when it came out in 1983. And was it like The Hollywood Reporter was kind of fine about it. it was like like yeah it's good for a sequel it's a bit silly but it's fine it's a good space romp and then roger ebert who's a pulitzer prize winning critic first person to ever win the pulitzer prize for crit- criticism Criticism. <laughs> for his critical work he loved it he was just like they've built such a good universe that they can have quite a silly movie it's not as i guess like intelligent maybe as Empire Strikes Back which I think is generally agreed that Mm -hmm. that that is objectively the best of all the movies but Mm -hmm. he's like it's it's well thought out you care about them and ultimately it's just tons of fun it really is yeah and when he he's won a Pulitzer so he knows he knows yeah it really is it's such a good fun movie and it occurred to me 
watching it, it does this thing that David Mamet, the playwright, talks about, and he's a bit of a questionable character, but he does say some succinct and interesting things. And when he talks about <laughs> writing for plays or film, he you know, he uses this idea or mantra of like, come in late and get out early. And Jedi kind of does that because if, I mean, granted, it's part of a trilogy. And, you know, if you've been following the trilogy, you kind of know where the characters have journeyed up till this point. But as a yeah. standalone movie, you're coming in at a point of high action. You're coming in like shit has gone down and mm-hmm. you're coming in right at the point that, you know, at the top of a rescue mission. So you're coming in late yeah. in the story, technically, at the top of this mm-hmm. movie. And then shit happens really quickly. It's really pacey. And I think that's the come in late, get out early thing because it's 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 a really good device for grabbing people right away and yeah. getting them on board and taking them on an adventure. And it sets the pace really quickly because it's a very pacey movie. I feel like it yeah. moves along a real awesome click. So I agree. I think it's great. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not COVID. <coughs> <laughs> ultimate disclaimer um when you put your I really liked when you put your Instagram story that you were watching it um and I think you started watching like 15 minutes before I did but the opening credits just they just reminded me that we haven't really spoken about the theme song I don't think we need to like spend tons of time on it but I was looking up John Williams I was just like thinking about how many just like such famous themes he has written he's a um, he's a legend as yeah yeah I mean that's sort of like oh it's like not even worth stating I see that your notes say John fucking Williams. That John kind of fucking Williams. Sums it up, I did it? find he's one of those people who's just done a lot of really, really famous stuff and it's never been crap. No. Um, it's not like he's prolific and he's like hit a high note a few times. It's just like every time he turns something out, it's a theme that everybody knows what that is. And he had a birthday in the last two weeks. Yeah, he was 89. Oh. And do you know who do you know who his son is? No. His son is Joseph Williams. Joseph Williams? He's definitely a Williams. And <laughs> he is the front man of the band Toto. Shut up. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a good fact. I didn't know that. But you know what I also didn't know recently? I didn't know that Danny Elfman used to be the front man of a mad 80s band called Oingo Boingo. And I discovered that recently. <laughs> Who had a, Why they, does that not surprise me? That and, it would be in a band with that zany name. And they were huge, apparently. Before really? he just kind of like stumbled into being one of the world's most <laughs> prolific uh, composers for film. Up there with his mate John fucking Williams and Hans fucking Zimmer. Um, but before that, he was just in this mad kind of... Um, I don't know what even what you would call Oingo Boingo. This might be a tangent for a podcast about Star Wars, but... Jazz rock, alternative rock, ska, new wave, and post-punk are all the tags used to describe them. So that's a lot of genres. It is. I'm going to send you a picture because I cannot not send you this picture. Actually, <laughs> okay, because <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> we'll post it on the socials if this gets anywhere near being in the actual episode. Is that Danny Elfman in the front with the two guns? With the guns. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that was a ridiculous tangent. But, yeah, maybe that should get shared on our social media just to confuse the shit out of people. Absolutely. How we we got there. Yes, so John Williams. John Williams. (laughs) So that was really all I had. I just, 
I have a high school memory of John Williams where we played, I was in the Eastern Bartonshire Secondary Schools Orchestra um, as one of two bassoonists. So we would go away for a week every June and learn a few different things. I think this summer we learned the Enigma Variations by Elgar and also an orchestral mashup of the Phantom Menace soundtrack, which included honestly quite a boring bassoon part because you don't get the tune, you just get like the bass notes of the, you get kind of like the bum, 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 bum bits. I can sing Mm -hmm. the whole thing by a shant. But also there was a whole bit where we had kazoos that we played for like the end part of the Phantom Menace. Wow. Which actually probably isn't John Williams' best work. After saying that he doesn't have any poor work. It's not poor, but it's It's not not... poor, no. But it's maybe just, it's maybe sweepings off his floor, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. He didn't, he wasn't invested at that point. He maybe just, yeah, phoned it in, perhaps. I mean, maybe. maybe, We we don't want to cast aspersions on, on John Williams' work ethic or commitment to any project he lends his talent to. Absolutely not. It might also be a case of like, absolutely no fucking way George Lucas is anyone doing this but me. I'm the Star Wars guy. So, yeah, you know, there's also that. Maybe he could have given it to an intern. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, so do something for the final parade. Yeah, I think that's legit. <laughs> like, you know, I feel like that's the problem with internships. It's like, you need to really make sure that you're giving them something worthwhile and valid. Yeah. Like, that's more than getting coffee. So, I'd be on board with that. Anyway, yeah. I also like to be reminded that you... <laughs> he was like, read it, it was like, kazoos, Glenn? Are you serious? <laughs> I'm John fucking Williams. I also like to be reminded as often as possible that you are a bassoon player. Yes. I forget that. And I like to be reminded. <laughs> <laughs> right, so Star Wars. Um, Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where are, where are we? What's happened? What's going on? We've, we've come in and what planet are we on? We're on Jabba's planet. Which is called something. Tatooine. That's right. Raising place of our hero Luke Skywalker. We've come Um, full circle. Yeah. Back to the beginning. We are going to Jabba's lair because he has a handsicle. He does. Frozen hand. uh, Frozen hand. Frozen and carbonate hand. And, uh, you know, I know I'm really flogging a dead horse here, perhaps, but like mm-hmm. C3PO not covering himself in glory right from the opening of the movie. He's bitching yeah. and moaning and looking for mm-hmm. any reason for his responsibilities in this rescue mission. I mean, he was, we, we, they did need him for translation purposes later, but he was definitely the most expendable of everyone else there. I'm not saying he's not useful. Like, I get, I get why they keep him around. He's a protocol droid with plenty of uses, but he's a mm-hmm. pain in my butt. Yes. He is. Um, and he's having a little moan. Also, I just don't understand why there's a disparity between what C-3PO knows and understands about what's going on from one minute to the next. Like, one minute he's like, what's going on? Master Luke would never leave us. Why am I here? Help me. And everyone else is clued up and knows what's going yeah. on. But C-3PO is just like, it feels like he picks his moments to like be tuned in to the same programme as everyone else. And I feel Do like that's think- a tactic. Because <laughs> he's... he's- <laughs> A little bitch tactic of this. So he can't really be asked to do anything he doesn't feel like doing. Yeah, like he'll just pretend he doesn't know what's going on. Maybe. Because I suppose because R2 always knows everything. R2 R2 knows everything and Mm -hmm. has to go along with him, like take him everywhere. Mm -hmm. And do they tell him? Don't tell 3PO. Just don't tell him R2. He can't be trusted. Well, I mean, he did. Going back to episode four... He mentions looking like the first five minutes that he's a resistance droid. He's a rebellion droid. He does, yeah. So maybe he just doesn't have... I think he just uh, likes to complain. 
Yeah. Do you know, I just, I'm, I'm sticking with this. I was hoping that maybe some, there would be some redemption arc for me in C-3PO, but I don't think there is. So let's not stick around on C-3PO too much. I think, I think we've got a reckoning with 3PO coming up. Yeah, he's got some stuff to do. So let's not, I think at not, that point we can unpack the receipts. Exactly. Let's not blow our loads on C-3PO just yet. <laughs> count up those receipts. <laughs> we'll use a calculator that R2 will have available and yeah. handy for our purposes because he'll be listening and, and, and responding to our needs. Yeah. Anyway. He'll add his own. <laughs> he knows what happens behind closed doors. He does. Um, so yeah, we're we're going to rescue Han. Going to rescue and, um, Han, and the droids have their little Wizard of Oz moment at the door of the palace. Yes, and where they don't want to let them in, and then they do. Why do they do that? Because he has a present for Jabba. Yes. Now, what does he say initially? He says they have a message for Jabba. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't become apparent that there's a a gift that the, the, the droids are an offer of a gift until they get into the palace. And mm-hmm. very handy, useful, tuned in with the plan, R2-D2 can relay the hologram message yes. from Luke to Jabba to say, hey, mate, how you doing? Let's stay chill. I've got some droids for you. Yeah. And yeah, so I can't remember exactly what they say to get in. The conversation is C-3PO saying some gibberish. Yeah, he's bitching. Ending with Jabba Duhat. <laughs> Jabba Which must be Tatooineish for Jabba the Hutt. Yes. And yeah. then they kind of slam the door on them at some point. And C-3PO is like, well, I guess they're not letting us in. Well, we tried. And he starts to go off, but then the door just starts to open. So I don't know if it's as much of an argument as it is. Like, they just, they're quite rude. I think they're just quite rude to them, so they think they're not letting them in. I also think from the looks of what's going on at Jabba's gaff, is that, you know, I don't think they're like super worried about people rocking up. Like, no. a, there's an actual party going on when they arrive. Yeah. So I feel like they're like, ah, droids. They want to see Jabba. What can we? What can we get out of this? Like, let's yeah. see what's happening here. And you know, they come to the door. The guy that looks like a foreskin comes to the door. <laughs> um, has probably been sent to kind of go check it out because there's nobody there but two droids. So yeah, maybe this is a yeah. this is a moment to like get some gear. You know, mm-hmm. always on the lookout for some gear. But it's pretty dark in there. Like, it feels like we're in the, um, you know, one of those dodgy parties that you would end up at, like, you know, and you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I've never ended up at a dodgy party, Louise. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, let me just educate you a little bit on. <laughs> don't believe a word she says, listeners. Um, <laughs> know that you'd be like summer nights when you'd be out for a while and you'd be day drinking, then you go to this person's, you meet this person for a pint, and then you go to this person's. Uh, you know, you pick up a carrier and you're like, oh, so-and-so's mate of a mate of a mate three times removed is having a party up that bit of woodlands that's dodgy that nobody goes to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Unless you're a student. And you end up at one of these parties and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, this has just got, this has just got bad energy, man. You know, like, mm-hmm. not like you don't exactly feel unsafe, but you're like, I could see myself feeling unsafe, you know. You know. If you were suddenly unsafe, you're not quite sure anyone would do anything about it. Yeah, that's Jabba the Hutt's party. And like, uh-huh. It's yes. a bad party and you immediately want to leave, but you can't really because you don't want to offend anyone. Because mm-hmm. yeah. something bad might happen. It's one of those parties that you'll sit, end up sitting next to somebody who's just on the wrong side of out of it. And then you say something that you think is funny and they're like, what? And it, yeah, yeah, it's one of those parties. <laughs> anyway, I've belaboured that metaphor a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I went somewhere. I think I triggered something myself. Are I you went, okay? I went on a journey. <laughs> uh, 
it's a whole thing and torturing the droids seems to be a thing uh-huh. yeah I thought was yeah. quite noticeable not sure mm-hmm. what that says about what I mean it's just casual torture for the looks of things for fun yeah I mean it doesn't seem you know there's not much motivation given for the torch droids apart from I think well I, th- I guess we see from a few things that happen that Jabba quite just quite enjoys seeing people scared and in pain yeah and that includes droids there's no yeah. discrimination on Jabba's part where that's concerned. Yeah, say what you will about Jabba. He's, <laughs> he's an equal opportunity he's very, masochist. Yeah. <laughs> he has an equalities policy. <laughs> <laughs> so they torture the droids and then, oh yeah, yeah so the CGI musical number. Mm-mm. Yes, no thank you. No ma'am. Um, I went back and looked at the original scene of that mm-hmm. and just yesterday, because I was trying to remember because it's been so long since I've seen it, it's not been readily available to watch since the trilogy got remastered and brought out with all the stupid nonsense in it in what, the late 90s. Um, so I hadn't actually really seen it since, but I went back and found the clip of that and there is a different musical number that I remembered as soon as I heard it. It's like a different, but there's just far fewer people and so it's the mm-hmm. lady with the long lips who's still singing yes but it's just a different song it's a better song yes this sounds familiar and doesn't the dance the lady the, the dancer who's on a chain mm-hmm. doesn't she have a longer moment I feel like I she, remember well, she's more, her she's more dancing on her own yeah I think in the remastered one they've put more like alien women around more like sexy sexy alien women Whereas in this one, it's kind of just her, the green lady with the two big, long tentacle bunches. Tentacle bunches, yeah. <laughs> and then there's like a bigger lady who's moving around, who's like feeling herself, having a great time. But it's kind of just the two of them. So basically the remaster's gone for sexy aliens, the insertion of sexy aliens. Yeah. Great. Yes. Thank it you, has. George Lucas. That's mm-hmm. that's what we needed. It's got more problematic as time has gone on, which I think is odd. Well, you can just see that, like, you know, as time has gone on and the remaster was on the cards as a a money-making thing more than anything else, I'm sure, that there was meetings round tables with slimy producers who was, you know what what this needs, George? This needs more sexy aliens. Yeah. Um, Give me some sexy green lady. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's not great because what... I, I don't... I mean... I actually don't begrudge too much of the CGI. Like, I think there are there are places the CGI can maybe complement it. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes. Like, maybe the odd enhancement of a scene or maybe throw in a couple of beasties to just, I don't know, give it texture. I don't know. I don't, I'm yeah. not objecting to it, like, completely. In principle. Yeah, or yeah. in principle, exactly. But this, because something so horrible is about to happen, like, this mm-hmm. dancer, this woman on a chain who is dancing for Jabba's mm-hmm. entertainment gets thrown in a pit to be eaten by a monster and this yeah. like unnecessarily comic weird remaster music number and CGI thing just takes away from the sinisterness of that which I think should be there because this guy's like he's a sinister evil gangster space slug yeah and I think we're meant to be getting the impression that what's going on here is torture drugs trade and fraud and smuggling and possibly also prostitution yeah uh, you or, know I mean, that's the energy. Or at the very least trafficking so there's yeah. an element of yeah trafficking yeah. slavery and sexual assault yeah. certainly it's important character development for jabba but also like because of all that nonsense that goes on in the remastered version we you don't care as much about what happens to that woman yeah whereas i remember watching it when i was three probably didn't really understand all of the dynamics of what was going on but I understood that that was a terrible thing and I was like he's a bad slug 
he's a mad slug yes <laughs> yeah and i think uh and it's not to say that i i'm saying that you can't have totally two things happening at once you mm-hmm. can have you know something that is like oh we're a band playing music to distract from this awful thing that's happening in the same moment mm-hmm. that the awful thing is happening but there's just something about this kind of like almost children and families-esque cgi alien singing a song that <laughs> just doesn't uh-huh. it just jars and i don't i don't i didn't need it um so yes, that's where I sit with that. I agree. So the droids get in the room. Droids get in the room. They're in front of the hut. The hut. Mr. Hut. Mr. Uh, the hut. Yeah. <laughs> and 3PO says, I don't know, some kind of nonsense. And it's yeah. not important. And R2 relays the hologram of Luke. Mm-hmm who's making quite a civil offer to Jabba that he would like to get his friend Han Solo back. Uh, and in exchange, here are two droids that will serve you well. Yeah. And Jabba essentially says, yeah, I mean, yeah, nice droids. I'll I'll have them, but you're not getting your friend back. <laughs> oh, well, my, my these are my droids there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's my favorite uh, decoration, or whatever. My favorite decoration. Uh, Luke is looking kind of emo and goth in the hologram. He's got some black, yes. some black duds that he's got from somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like Jedi Hot Topic store or whatever. I don't know where he's got them, <laughs> but he looks cool yeah. and a little and a little emo. And then runs in the family. <laughs> this is the other thing. I like like Luke's not there. What did what did did what did you think was going to happen? Like it comes up a bit later when we do get Luke. Not to jump ahead, he has to force mind trick the foreskin man to get in. That's right. Yes. And then Jabba gives that guy a row and he says, I told you not to let him in. You don't get to just come in here and make a civil offer. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I'm going to, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take your droids. And I'm going to not let you in. And then you can't do anything because I'm incredibly, he's a powerful gangster. Right. Yes. Okay. That's the bit that I missed. I bit, I missed the bit where it's like, we'll send the droids in, make the offer. If you like the offer, then we're just around the corner. We'll come in and we'll do the exchange. Yeah, but then we don't know if they actually ever thought for a second that that was going to work because I don't know, I would have thought like they would have done a bit of research and would have known that it was maybe predictable that Jabba would take the offer. I don't know. I feel like the only person in their their group that knows anything about what Jabba may or may not do is, is the very dreamy, wonderful Lando Calrissian who's already in. He's in there. He's in there already and I might have to say I love him so much but I would say his attempt at disguise isn't as like robust as everybody else's. Like we can literally dreamy eyes, Lando. Spot you a mile away. Yeah, we can literally see your whole gorgeous face. Like, (laughs) I mean, it looks because you're not wearing a cape right now. (laughs) You have other identifiable features. Actually, they're all gorgeous. I feel like he is wearing a cape. Is he wearing a cape? I feel like he is. Like we have to look at. I don't know. Right, like. Is he wearing a cape? Oh, no, he's not. He's not. It's okay. <laughs> I think I just always picture him in a cape. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is he wearing a cape? No, he's got... Maybe that's why nobody clocked him. For like, that's yeah, but we can cape. see his... We can see most of his beautiful face. And, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a sort of samurai-looking... It's a samurai-looking thing. <laughs> he still looks great. He still... So I mean, it looks, it looks amazing. Yeah, it's very cool. Very fitted cut. 
Mm-hmm. I'm here for it's it. Great. I'm loving but, it. Yeah, I can see his entire can see his entire face. Face. Which, considering, <laughs> I feel like he might be the only one in their number who's actually encountered Jabba before is a risky little game. But you know, we we also had to see Lando's face. There's a point when he's trying to look over the room for something, and he pulls the bottom of his mask down. He does. He just fully pulls it down. Yeah, it was yeah. like that's not what's covering your eyes, Lando. There's yeah. no need for you to do that. It's really not. <laughs> it's like you're just being an anti-masker. It's not. It's just, <laughs> Put that back. Put that back up. It's not appropriate ever. <laughs> it's not appropriate ever. It was just in Billy D. Williams' contract. Like, let's, yeah. let's see that we good bone Billy structure. Yeah. So oh. what what happens next? What happens so, next? So that was that was phase A of the plan. That doesn't work. The droids get separated. C-3PO is essentially going to be the translator droid. And R2 gets put on like a barge to be a waiter the droids are dispersed but 3PO's there Leia comes in phase 2 of the plan yes uh, phase 2 of the plan Leia comes in with her she comes in with Chewbacca yes Chewbacca's in shackles and she's pretending to be because I looked it up because I was trying to figure out what language she was speaking because quite often in Star Wars they're like based on they take languages and they're based on other things Mm -hmm. Um, so I was looking it up to try and figure out what language that was and I couldn't find it but she's she's speaking Ubizi which is I guess like there's another type of alien that speaks that language and there's a bounty hunter that she's dressed up as called Bush and I was looking to try and see what how they changed her voice and there's obviously some sort of like electronicization of it but um i found another another good fact yeah i think um, we need it i think at this point we need a we need a jackie's facts jingle which i'm now <laughs> going to request that our producer and editor chris gorman puts in Jackie. maybe i could record one of my bassoon <laughs> <laughs> yes please i'll try and get it from my mum's. <laughs> so jackie's facts Better so i was looking up how they did the voice the voice is a different person it's not carrie fisher it is a a voice actor called pat welsh who has been in three films one of which is not famous one of which is very famous and as soon as i tell you what it is you will you'll hear it in the voice (laughs) and the other very famous character she played was et oh my goodness it's the lady who voices E.T. That's amazing. That is good Jackie's fact. That's <laughs> really good. I love it. What is her name again? Pat Welsh. Pat Welsh. She was an American voice actor. Of the three films she's in, she's only in actually on the screen in one, which was a film in the 40s called Waterloo Bridge. And then otherwise, she was a radio soap actor. That's so cool. And she had quite a raspy voice, a very distinctive raspy voice. Because I went and I looked at a clip from E.T. And yeah, it's like you can tell. Oh, look at her. She's adorable. Yeah. Unsung. And I don't think even think she's credited in Star in uh, Return of the Jedi. Probably not. Yeah, it says on her wiki page. She wasn't even credited in E.T. It says That's on her... outrageous. I know. It says in the filmography on her wiki page that um, both voice credits, the voices of E.T. and then Bush and Return of the Jedi went uncredited. Oh, well, we should credit her. We should post a, a little picture of her on our Instagram and give her the credit that she absolutely deserves. We absolutely should do that. I think that's really important. And yeah. Look at her, look at her fabulous She's so face. cute. I love her. Got her little vest on and her... Yeah, her little life preserver. Her pink, her pink her shirt. Pink shirt. I love her. Pat Welsh, we salute you. We we remember and we know. We'll we know. post about you on our Instagram. That's great. That is a very good Jackie's fact. And Thanks. 
I love it. That was another great Jackie's fact. <laughs> uh, yes, to get back to the scene, uh, <laughs> we're met with uh, Carrie Fisher, who we obviously love, and Pat Welsh, new hero yep. of ours. And um, together they stand new stands and together they threaten Jabba the Hutt at that point she's trying to get money from him for Chewbacca and mm-hmm. she's threatening him with the detonator because she wants more money than he's offering her yes which he likes and I think he kind of meets her in the middle or something but he's it says at one point this is my kind of scum yes this is my kind of scum that is a great line yeah that, yeah because he just quite likes how underhand it all is and it's, it's very ballsy it's very good it's very Leia I also like um, to point out in contrast to Lando Calrissian being very devil may care with his disguise <laughs> That Leah is like Leah's done some homework. She's done some homework. She's really committing. She's committing hard. And she's learned a language. She has learned a language. <laughs> she's learned a full language. Now, this I was thinking about this, and I have a question for you that I pose to you. Mm-hmm. Now, I would like to think it's just because Leah is really thorough and she's been part of the rebellion and the resistance for a long time. So she gets it. She gets covert operations. So she 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 was like disguised and got out of like her entire kit um, uh-huh. and she was ready. But also, I was wondering, is Leah Organa royalty and politician and also like wanted by the Empire? Is mm-hmm. she not a bit like a galactic diana spencer would she not be that level of famous i it's a question i'm throwing that out there is she like would she not be technically like a sort of lady diana you know the the people's princess i don't know yeah yeah so Uh, maybe that's why she has to be super careful about disguise and how she presents herself in certain contexts in this rebellion yeah i suppose i suppose we don't really know how they get their news i mean is there a galactic daily mail (laughs) with a a sidebar of shame with all of the hunted pictures of Leia or do they all have like is it more like everybody reads their own local magazine there must be there must be because like otherwise how do like all these outer rim planets know what's going on with the rebellion Mm -hmm. you know like to take it all the way back to Luke and his pals on Tatooine in A New Hope like talking Uh about wanting to go like go to the academy and join the rebellion they must have some sense of they must be getting some information from somewhere I would have thought yes what that looks like, oh. I do not know. No, I don't know is the answer. I mean, she is just careful. She's the committee. She's yes, she she's has reasons committee. for she doing is a, She is a committee. <laughs> she uh, is a committee. Actually, I just had a thought. Maybe they do have the Daily Mail, except it's in hologram form, because that's the only thing that we've seen so far that communicates messages. It's like holograms that come out of droids. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's like you get your news that way and it just yells at you. Uh, yeah. Like and then I suppose it would be, it's probably all, if you're under imperial rule, Mm-hmm. then it's probably fed to you maybe in like a big brother way about like this is the message yes of the day yes that would make total sense that tracks yeah so you would know the you would know her face if they want to know if they want her to know your face so maybe yeah they do like a little bulletin if they think she's on your planet yeah they and they would absolutely i think they would absolutely do that would they not at this point mm-hmm. certainly they would i think at this um, point they would but i mean nobody seems to be looking for but you would think they know that she's with lando yeah they know that she's with chewy and to be fair, Jabba, he probably doesn't care either way what the rebels yeah. or the Empire are doing. As long as he can be left his own devices to take advantage and make money yeah. and continue to be a fat space slug, I think he's happy. Yeah, he doesn't seem bothered. Uh, so she's doing her thing with her excellent disguise in contrast to Lando who's rolling around showing off his 
beautiful complexion to people. And then... <laughs> and somehow Boba Fett is still getting all the attention. It baffles me. I feel like I have this memory of just, like, thinking Boba Fett was cool, but... On reflection, I'm like, he's hardly in these movies. Why do I have this thing where I'm supposed to think Mother Fett is really cool? But actually, like, he's not really, like, other than looking cool. Yeah. You know, aesthetically from a design point of view. Mm-hmm. And his ship is kind of cool, I suppose. But apart from that, I'm like, what? Why did we end up kind of obsessed no, with... Yeah, I had the same feeling. It was like, I know that, I know he's cool. I academically know that Boba Fett is cool, <laughs> but I don't have any feelings about it. Yeah, there's a study in there somewhere. when he dies. Well, no, of course not. Why would you? He's like, he hasn't even spoken. He's kind um, of a baddie. A low-key one, but still a baddie. Like, yeah, they couldn't have done this without him. Right, so Leia... So Leia successfully sells Chewie to Jabba. I really don't know what the plan was, because the plan definitely goes wrong. But when I think about, like, there was obviously a plan for Chewie to be in jail. Yeah. Because um, she sells him. So I guess that ingratiates Leia as Bush into the den of undesirables. <laughs> The den of deplorables yeah. that are in the palace. And it's then li- she has, she's able to sneak in. So she yeah. basically, she's basically just, it just gives her a right to be there and without any suspicion of her presence. There is a point during this plan where I start to think things are a bit loosey goosey here, aren't they? Like we've not, we've not really mm-hmm. hammered out what this plan is. Yeah. What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was your best case scenario? Leah in disguise as Bounty Hunter ingratiates with Jabba and then much later that evening she returns to post-party, she returns to the lair and Mm -hmm. defrosts Han. Yes. And we get the lovely, wonderful... Oh, I love it so much. Who is it? Because he's he's, he's got frost blindness or, you know, hypersleep blindness or whatever the fuck you call it. Carbonite frozen blindness. And uh, yeah, and he's like, "Who is it?" And he's like, "Someone who loves you." Who are you? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and it's just like, "Who are you?" Someone who loves you. It's just great. Uh, Super romantic. I love it. And she looks great. She looks great. She she pulls off that helmet. Yeah, she pulls off that helmet, and she looks really grown and in Mm -hmm. charge. It's like this is a woman who has seen some shit. Yeah, she's here to dole out an equal amount of it. Yeah, she knows what she wants, and she isn't afraid to get it. Absolutely. So this is all great. All great stuff. The joy is short-lived because then you hear the Jabba laugh, the ominous Jabba laugh. (laughs) And then Jabba appears and everybody's laughing at them and it's horrible. Han really still doesn't know what's going on. And... um, I'd like to point out that uh, Harrison Ford is doing some spectacular just (laughs) been defrosted from carbonite acting. It's great. (laughs) It's really good. He's giving it, so- it all. Like, I, I, I promised you, Jabba, <laughs> I, I, I was going to get your money, man. It's like, it's great. Hey, Jabba. Look, Jabba, I was just on my way to pay you back, and I got a little sidetracked. Jackie's but like, you did a wonderful job. No, you did no, a wonderful no, no. job. <laughs> it's, it's the way that you talk when you're really hungover and <laughs> you've maybe just spewed. Oh, we're, just getting, we're getting a picture into your hangover. <laughs> That's brutal, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> and someone's trying to make you have a full-on conversation. You're just like, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> triple. <laughs> I haven't had that recently, thank goodness. So the, the pair of them get 
separated. Uh, Han gets thrown in the brig with Chewie, where they have a beautiful reunion. They lovely do. Cuddle. Yeah, they have a lovely cuddle. It's so cute. It's just yeah. It's Han very, is very, very like Han has a lot of love for his comrades. Like his yeah. like like Lando and Chewie. He's very tactile with them. There's lots of like genuine love there. Yeah. yeah. I think I think we have a, a bit of a thread, particularly in this film, about actually when it comes down to it, the complete lack of toxic masculinity in Han. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I mean there are a couple of mo- a couple of Leah moments that will come to you later. I saw somebody just... on Twitter call him a total himbo. <laughs> oh, he is. He's such a sweetie. Because <laughs> uh, what was it? Because I saw that tweet. What did it say? And it was such a good point. It was somebody on Twitter who's at Zeglian, tweeted, they, them pronouns are not confusing. You know what is confusing? Han Solo only had one, one in brackets, romantic interest in the Star Wars original trilogy, but somehow for decades we all accepted that he was a womanizer when he was, in fact, a himbo who loved his wife. Now that is confusing. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. It's such a good point, and it really comes through in this film. It does. Um, Because, I mean... Yeah, it's like his love for Chewie, he's so protective and and loving towards Luke. He's friends with this beautiful Lando man. Yes, and he falls right back into this easy camaraderie and history with Lando immediately. Mm-hmm. Like it's implied in it's implied in Empire, as we discussed before, that they haven't seen each other in a while. And maybe mm-hmm. some shit went down, which by the way, we are still soliciting fan fiction for. Thank you. Um, yep. and but they just fall into step right away, and that comes out even more in this film because they do have a lot yep. of like super cute romantic moments, and yeah. So yeah, Chewie and Han have a little cuddle, and it makes us feel so things. Nice. It's so lovely. Um, I love them. Uh, and and then, then that brings us yes, to brings to us a very important moment in cinema. Yes, <laughs> hugely important moment. So that even if people haven't seen Star Wars, they'll be aware of this. Yes. Which is, I think, I actually think this is probably the most famous thing to come out of Star Wars is Princess Leia in that gold bikini. Mm-hmm. Hello, gold bikini. She does look great. She doesn't want to be there. She's not happy about it, but and but she does look fantastic. She does look sensational. I know that there's a running joke throughout all of pop culture that this had a profound impact on the boys mm-hmm. and the girls. All of us, in fact. Yeah. You know, we see it pops up in Friends with the whole storyline of mm-hmm. Princess Leia and the Gold Bikini being the ultimate fantasy. I mean, it I mean it really is. I mean, I have lots of feminist counterpoints to make, but in order to, like, to just take a moment and appreciate the iconography and the and the thing about it, because it, 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 you're totally right. It is one of, if not the arguably most memorable thing next to perhaps I am your father. Like it's up yeah. there. Like it's, it's a moment. And what's interesting to me is what that means. Like mm-hmm. it's an iconic moment in cinema canon. And it's it's just Carrie Fisher in this skimpy ass nothing cost like she's yeah in a bikini. So it's the only time in the whole trilogy that she is sexualized, really. That, yeah. that she, and and it's also the only time. Well, no, I suppose there's lots of ways that you can be sexualized. I mean, she is an object of attraction. So it's the only time. No, actually, this is maybe this is what's problematic about it. Is it's all the time she's sexualized. It's the only time that she's in any way demeaned in the whole yeah. trilogy. It's the only time, yes, she's in peril, but it's the only time when her peril is gendered. Now, you're right. 
And it would definitely be something worth more vitriolic attention if it weren't for the fact that in reality it sits in the writing kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Not not that it's okay, mm-hmm. uh, you know, don't at me. I'm not saying it's okay. What I'm saying is it's arrived at a moment where they're kind of going with this horrific space slug mm-hmm. awfulness and it leads up to also <laughs> what is arguably one of the most badass fight sequences and kills of the entire yes. series. Yes. Uh, so I, I'm not justifying sexualizing her in this way, but there is something about it that I can't quite put my finger on. It's. I think it's it's not gratuitous. No. It's believable that Jabba would do that to her. Yeah. And also, there, it's not actually implied that anything violent has happened to her. No. She's kind of there as a prop. This beautiful she's a thing. prop. She's good. Yeah, she's going to probably be... And she is beautiful. And he ha, he's just lost a sleep. He's just killed his latest slave girl. Yeah. Also. I'm assuming he's not sexually attracted to humanoid women because he's a space slug and like... I, I mean, he know. doesn't have any slug ladies no, around. He also doesn't seem to like keep any other species of female around long either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he seems to like to yeah. keep on chains. Yeah. Skimpily clad for his entertainment. Uh, whether there's a sexual element of uh, to that, I do not know. Maybe it's not worth thinking about. But I or suppose- is it the idea that like sexual violence um, is more about power than it is attraction? Yeah, that's where I'm conflicted because as much as it's she looks beautiful and it's not as problematic in the grand, long and ridiculous list of things in which women are used in this way. Because what mm-hmm. it what it's there to say is it's to say more about Jabba than it is about anything else. It's to say to yeah. the audience, this is the kind of thing he is. But what, what happens is, is women are then used as dramatic tools or as yeah. things in order to communicate awfulness. So it's yeah, like, whereas really your reaction at seeing her in that situation, you should be like, do you not know who she is? I mean, also yeah. you shouldn't be treating anyone like that, but this is Leia Organa. She's a big deal. And it's this and... idea of like, we we demean you mm-hmm. and lower you. That is mm-hmm. what with you with boys will fight you in a lightsaber battle or throw you to a rancor mm-hmm. and let you fight it out but with women we're going to put you in a gold bikini and chain you up and demean you yeah until you get sick of doing that and then we'll yeah. feed you to the rancor and then we, so there's this yeah it's this other level of bringing low yeah it's, we have to humiliate you yeah. degrade you yes that's the problem yeah i think you're right i don't think it's problematic film writing i think it's Jabba's horrible. It's a horrible. Yeah. It's bad luck. I'm not pointing the finger at this, being saying this is problematic mm-hmm. film writing. Inten- no, like it's not. Ne- I mean, it's never intentional. Well, I was right. I was doing that. Well, it's well, right. Okay, it is problematic film writing, but it isn't. It's it's more a product of just how this is just accepted. This is this is just the way it is. It's like this is what we communicate. So we'll use a woman chained up in a gold bikini. Uh-huh. to communicate that because that's and also but it's like, also it's what happens yes i mean i can't tell you the number of times that i have found myself chained to a space slug <laughs> and i'm just like fuck this again this again again yeah I'm gonna, like, <laughs> strangle them this again no but like yeah you know what i mean i do know what you mean i know i just couldn't resist the, that was an I opportunity know. i had to take if it. i had a pound <laughs> for every time if i had a parsec <laughs> wait hang on uh, okay so that merited the time that it took to discuss that because i think it's important i think it's important and i think also jumping on just picking up back in a sec there's arguably a disservice that that is the image that is remembered of leah because it's not actually no i take that back 
Because it leads to a scene that's her favourite scene in her career that will come to. Yeah. So scratch all that. Sorry. I think I knew where you were going with that. And I just wanted, I typed Princess Leia into Google. And all of the first time, like literally, the like it's we get three rows before the gold bikini arrives. So all okay, of the first images. Okay, so do we images, have white dress? We have and white buns. dress, guns, and okay. buns. Yeah, guns and okay, buns. Okay, that's okay. Guns and buns. So yeah, the gold bikini doesn't arrive until row four. So that's okay. That's quite comforting. Quite comforting, yeah. But she does look sensational. Credit where credit yeah. where credit is due. Um, yeah. And she's sitting there, and then there's a nice little moment that happens um, where she's kind of uncomfortably perched, trying not to touch Jabba too much mm. on this moving platform. I mean, she's just she's not happy. And there's a little moment where Lando appears at the corner of the thing, and he kind of like just gives her like he catches her eye so that she knows he's there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't something I noticed before this rewatch, and I thought it was really nice. Lando. Mm-hmm. Lando Stan. Hashtag Lando Stan. We do love him. Stando. Stando! <laughs> okay, so now we get Luke. Luke shows up. Mm-hmm. Where he's been, no one knows. What took him so long, no one knows. But he's he's here. <laughs> he has arrived. I feel like it's been a full 24 hours because like we had the party it's end. Daytime again. Yeah, we had the party end. We had defrosting of Han, we had the capture of Leia, the change into the bikini, and then the party mm-hmm. starting again, essentially, before Luke turned up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, babe, don't know where you've been, don't know what's going on there, but thank you for your time. So he's here with his whole new attitude, his whole glow up. <laughs> <laughs> he's been to therapy, he's done some work in himself. <laughs> Has he? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He's either done some work in himself or he's like got involved in some really weird shit on Facebook like you don't know like it's I don't know he's just he's giving me something that's new there's a new yeah yeah, he's built up some coping mechanisms at the very least (laughs) yeah so he tricks foreskin man into bringing him in front of Jabba who then gets into trouble and then what does he actually what does he say somebody who's seen this film upwards of a hundred times this is age mate this is age like I can't remember or maybe it's Panny D like I I were all before I was six but (laughs) Yeah. Well, does he offer him money? Does he say I'll give you money? Basically, what happens is it's like you should have taken the deal, Jabba, and okay. Jabba's like, Psh, whatever, mate. Yeah, and then he gives his foreskin mate a bit of a talking to because he fell for the Jedi mind trick, which establishes yeah. that Jabba is not vulnerable to Jedi mind tricks, which I think is interesting. I'm yeah, probably the only stupid. person on the planet that thinks it's interesting, but I think it is. <laughs> it's probably also a writing device, but that's neither here nor there. Well, uh, it's the whole thing, but it's like for the weak-minded. So yeah. fall. So there's like it works on stormtroopers and lackeys. <laughs> works on stormtroopers and foreskins. So yeah. So then we get a kind of like I'm going to feed you to my rancor, which is the beastie under the floor that's been eating all mm-hmm. the dancers. And I love the fucking rancor. I'm sorry, but it's I a great monster. It's great. I I think it's in the, it's in the same. It's like a Harry Housen, Ray Harry Housen esque monster, but better. I think it's really cool. I like that. I like the rancor. Um, yeah. And so we get a bit of a, a rancor rumble and Luke takes it out. Anything to say, anything particular to say on that? Mm. No, it was a scene that I always found genuinely frightening when I was little. It's quite, it is quite scary, isn't it? <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to feel this, but I always feel a little bit sorry for the uh, tubby rancor wrangler guy. He's so oh, sad yeah. about his rancor being dead. And then he gets a cuddle from his mate. Again, no toxic masculinity in this galaxy. Like his, his pal gives him a big cuddle and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry you're rancor. Of course, dead man. It's really nice to see. They have they um, no problem showing emotion. It's great. 
in that review of this film that I read by Robert Ebert, Roger Ebert, sorry, um, he also talked about that scene. He was like, that's the kind of detail in these films that makes you believe that this universe exists, that this happened. This is what it brings believability to this whole environment because everybody is a person. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. That's such a great little tidbit because actually that's also the kind of thing that like nerds like me would write fan fan fiction about, like you'd pick up on a moment and expand upon it because it's just enough to to say to you, this person has a life. There's like this peripheral person that exists in this galaxy has a whole thing going on. Yeah, did he like rescue him from the rancor pound as a puppy? (laughs) It was like raise him and... You know, oh. and presumably that means like the rancor is kind of oh, well, no. lovable. And now it's I'm not picturing a whole like um, animated montage with some music. Me of too. An origin story, <laughs> an origin story for the rancor wrangler and his pal and the, and the rancor and how they, yeah, what their journey is. I'm Googling it. She's oh. Googling it. While you do that, I'm going to take us to the barge because it's time we got to the barge because I, I don't know, but we've been on an hour and we've not even left Tatooine. Oh my gosh, we're still like the first 15 minutes of the film. Yeah, so <laughs> we've not left Tatooine. Sorry, Chris. Sorry, Chris. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. Um, but you know what? This is the last one we're doing on Star Wars for what will probably be a long time. We may do more Star Wars content down the line, but that it will be a long time, I would think. So we might as well get into it. So Luke takes out the Rancor. It's sad. We've got mixed emotions because obviously we want our hero to win, but like you said, Lucas gave us that little extra detail that gave it a bit of pathos. Yeah. <laughs> so we're on the barge. So we're on this pleasure cruise out to the desert, mm-hmm. murder some people. And it's properly catered, which again, I'm sorry, I respect. I know he's an awful space <laughs> slug, but like he's taken he's all his style. mates. He's got style. He's taken all his mates <laughs> out on his pleasure barge to, to, to dispose of these people who've annoyed him. And he's making sure that people are, they got some drinks. There's some mm-hmm. there's some canapes that R two D two is wandering around with. Yep. Um. So he might be despicable, but he wants you to have a good time, and I respect that. Yeah, you want to be in his good side for sure. Absolutely. So they're taking the pleasure cruise out to the desert, uh, to the Sarlacc, which is this carnivorous tentacled plant beast that lives uh-huh. in the sand. And I love this whole scene, but what I will say to go back to my earlier point of not always being opposed to cgi this is cgi i'm opposed to same they gave the sarlacc a fucking beak does it need a beak for (laughs) it has 10 it doesn't need a beak to survive it's it is a huge pit that people cannot come out of surrounded by tentacles that it can use to drag people into the pit what the fuck is a beak gonna do who's it pecking it digests people over a thousand years thank you (laughs) Thank you. Yes, uh, that you. I mean, I have nothing, nothing to add. I have no notes. Sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to soak up your rant. No, no, that's great. I have, I have no notes. <laughs> I, it does not need a beak. Uh, so fuck that. Whoever the beak guy was, fire him. Fired. Uh, <laughs> But this whole sequence, apart from the fucking beak, is amazing. I actually love everything that happens here. Yeah, it's great. It reminds me, so Luke and Han are together for the first time since the start of... um, They are, and don't they have a lovely bit of banter? They do. Han's still kind of grumpy from his big long nap. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, he can't even see He can't really see. He says he's seeing a light blur rather than a dark blur. Yeah, so like, like I feel like you'd be cranky. We'd all be cranky. It's He's fair. cranky. He's also seems quite resigned to his death. 
He must also be dehydrated. Oh, yeah. (laughs) In that hot sun. Like, I doubt anyone's taking the time to give him an Evian. I feel like he's, like, pretty dehydrated. So, yeah, he can be like, all right, Luke. Okay, kid. Yeah. And Um, also, like, last time he saw Luke, he hadn't really had any Jedi training to speak of. That's right. So he really doesn't have any... Because there's that scene where he's in prison with Chewie, and Chewie's just like, it's okay, Luke's going to come get us. And Han's basically like, what does he think he's going to do? Then he says uh, he has delusions of grandeur. He's like, I'm gone for well, five minutes and everyone's got everyone's delusions got of grandeur. Delusions of grandeur. You're so good at that. <laughs> Whereas Luke is just so chill. He Was this your plan? Maybe it was. I don't Again, Lucy Goosey. I'm going with Lucy Goosey. Very Lucy Goosey, yeah. So they're going to essentially walk the plank into the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. And Jabba gives him the opportunity via C3PO, who's really not even trying to be helpful. Well, I um, mean, yeah. He can't do anything, to be fair. Maybe that's he's, unfair to he's, I mean, well, I don't know. I don't know. He's He goes on and on about his intelligence and how much, like, like all the languages he could speak. He could at least, like, do some investigations around the room to see who might be into, like, lending them a hand, but whatever. Yeah, whatever, 3PO. So he says to them that basically Jabba will hear your pleas now, so he's essentially inviting them to beg for their lives mm-hmm. and very on brand Han, for Jabba very on brand for Jabba very on brand for Han he comes back and says absolutely not you'll get no such pleasure from us Getty yeah exactly Jabba. and then Luke <laughs> says uh, Jabba this is your last chance free us or die mm-hmm. which reminded me that I had a habit when I was the ages of three and four of telling people to do things or die what a charming and... child <laughs> <laughs> never really worked for me but I had no follow through so yeah, you didn't have a sarlacc with a beak to like throw people into. Yeah. Like, I wasn't the most intimidating of three-year-old little girls. <laughs> okay, so yeah, now this is this is really cool what happens here, and further yeah. reinforces my point that C three PO is just the worst, and R two is a king. Because yeah. clearly Luke and Arthur have worked out a little bit of choreography here because like this goes great. This oh, it's beautiful. Well. Yeah. He connects with Arthur. There's this spectacular like drag queen level like leap into the air and uh-huh. a death like equivalent of a death drop at just the right moment to catch the lightsaber that Arthur has well, fired the air. Yeah. Ugh. Great. Well, before that, so he he's getting pushed off the plank. Oh yes, of course he's got about that bit. He yeah. jumps and flips, catches onto the end of the plank. Yes. And then flips up, wins the air. Then the lightsaber gets shot out at yeah. him, and he catches it and lands. Absolutely. Or lands and catches it, and it is it's great. It's it's something. I wouldn't be that surprised if Luke told nobody the plan apart from R2 yeah it's like he was like yeah we're gonna get like, we're gonna like really wow them or maybe it was like maybe it was like Han doesn't believe me with all my Jedi stuff so I'm gonna like I'm gonna real show him and I'm because Han will be the only person you couldn't really see and Han's like Bubba Fett where like he's what like, happened he's he's like, no idea what's going on and it was all for him it was all to show off to his bro and he was like god Fucking damn it. We're yeah. have to do it again. Start <laughs> at places, everyone. But it's wonderful. We saw it. We saw it and we thought yeah. it was great. Tens across the board. Luke Absolutely. And then yes. Leia uses this Ugh. moment to do something utterly spectacular. She's so good. Which is to strangle a giant space slug with her bare fucking hands. 
Yes, using the chain he has used yes. to bind her. Yeah, it's poetic. Um, That's poetic, Jackie Farmer. I love it. Which Carrie Fisher in her book, well, her book, The Princess Diarist, here, and she has a little paragraph where she's talking about when she first saw the hairstyles that she was going to wear. And she says, um, I looked at her aghast with very much the expression I used when showing the sketches of the metal bikini. The one I wore to kill Jabba, my favourite moment in my own personal film history, which I highly recommend you're doing. Find an equivalent of killing a giant space slug in your head and celebrate that. I love that. Which I I also think it speaks to the power of the, like as much as I think there are a lot of views one can have of the whole golden bikini that we've discussed at length. But I think the fact that Carrie Fisher, who was in it, was like, it led to my favourite personal film history moment. I love that. And it's so good. It makes it better. Makes it all, yeah. One of the reasons I love it so much is that it's fucking, it's just, it's brutal and it's raw. And as much as something can be brutal and raw in this fairly PG-13 context mm-hmm. of a movie but like everyone else is like you know looks out there doing some like like a like a tiktoker doing some pre-organized choreography with this droid uh-huh. lightsaber and show off to his friend whereas leia is half naked grabbing a chain and strangling something three times her size to death with yeah. nothing and but she also strength and will <laughs> like, it's uh, just and like she also does a thing like there's right before she does that everybody's kind of running around the room really distracted and she smashes something and all the lights go out yeah she is she is getting down and dirty yeah she's like this is my chance you're gone fucker yeah like look you may have your choreography but i will strangle a space slug to death half naked with a chain it's it's different it's very her around about this time i I get pissed off with c3po again because he just is only good for getting rescued and everyone else is being completely badass and he is just getting abused by that little muppet that jabba keeps as a pet which i believe is called salacious crumb (laughs) Of course. It has a name and it's called Salacious Crumb. <laughs> and C3PO, for some reason, is lying down mm-hmm. and his eye has been pulled out by this thing. And it's like, how did this how did this happen? Yeah, Leah has just strangled something six times the size of her to death. Yeah. And now we have to worry about rescuing you, you shiny pain in my ass. Anyway, <laughs> the other thing I was thinking around about this point is it's excellent that the gold bikini outfit clearly came with Ugg boots because we do get a full length shot and she's... <laughs> Excellent footwear. So look like very very convenient for running around and um you know kicking ass. I did not notice that. <laughs> <laughs> they look like Ugg boots. Great. The other bit that I like about this scene is um when Luke battles his way onto the barge. They have this really cool like working together moment. Luke and Leia. It's mm-hmm. just like you get the gun, do this, and like bah, bah, yeah, bah. point at the deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool, and I like it a lot. Um, I like sibling stuff. Sibling stuff is good. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert. Yes, the spoiler alert. Um, I think the only thing left I have to say on this is just that there's a little bit where Lando starts to fall into, so we have the death of Boba Fett, BFD, yeah. and then Lando also starts to fall into the Sarlacc pit, which is terrible, and Chewie and Han save him. And I just thought it was quite nice. It really cements how much he's on the good guy team mm-hmm. with all the guys. They have a bit of comedy banter and you know that kind of comedy banter that only comes from being in dire peril. Yeah. And it's funny. Yeah, where where he's (laughs) he's got like the tentacles like around Lando's leg. Yeah. And Han's trying to shoot it. And he's like, Aren't you blind? Yeah. (laughs) All very exciting. I love them. They're lovely boys. They are lovely boys. Um yeah, everything's action packed. 
They pull fucking C-3PO out of the sand because somehow he's also managed to fall into the sand and just gets feet sticking up. So R2 comes to him and he basically pushes him off. Oh, that's right. <laughs> the thing, he like pushes him off the barge and then jumps off himself. So he only really gets rescued because he's next to R2, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everyone gets their shit together and gets out of Dodge. And it's great. And that is the opening <laughs> one hour later. Since we began, that is the opening of Return of the Jedi. later. Chris, we are so sorry. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's an action-packed set piece, and it took some time to unpack. Yeah, and also, like, given, I, th- I think the pattern of what we have is that there will be scenes that have been really analysed to death by somebody else somewhere that we actually will just really gloss over because they're not that interesting. Also, so. there's, I'm not going to lie, there's some stuff with the Emperor that I'm like, meh. So I feel like there's bits from this point forward we could speed through because uh, I think we yeah, go to the Emperor so, next. I'm just like, I can't, I fucking can't be doing with you, mate. You're just... Yeah, they're essentially, they're just, I think all we really know, need to know from that is they are rebuilding the Death Star. It's bigger and they're trying to get people to speed up. Yeah, it's all a bit of a kind of human resources nightmare. People like are working overtime and probably not getting paid and awful bosses asking for things that are, you know, not in the budget and can I get this finished yesterday? And it's just all it's just yeah. all awful. It gives me anxiety and I don't like it. Yeah, it's all stick no carrot with those guys. Yeah, and you and then you look at it and like it's like you get that shot of it hanging in the sky and it's clearly unfinished. And I've uh-huh. just got images of fucking admin assistants opening a door and onto a bit of like to the open vacuum of space because the, that it's bit's not like, finished yet. Like Yeah. So what happened to Susan? <laughs> she got sucked out into space. Just took, the, into she the took, she took the wrong space. left. <laughs> yeah. We're sending her to accounts and it wasn't finished yet. It makes me nervous. And the only other note I have is that um, the Emperor is so extra. Like, he's so extra. There's, like, this is probably a controversial thing to say, but he's got this really, like, I don't know, maybe this should get cut out. I'm going to say it to you, Jackie. He's just got this old bitchy <laughs> queen energy that I just don't like. It's just like... <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's just like... Don't know about you. And he's got handmaids. He's got the whatever the red, the red long red quotes. guys. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like it. Are they? They do they not turn up in the later movies? They do, and they're much cooler when they turn up in the later movies. But here, I'm just yeah. like, this is just drama. This is just drama. And then Ian McDermott, who plays the Emperor, is great. He's a great actor. He's giving us some extremely strong mouth acting because we can't see his face really from the nose up. So we're getting a lot of mouth acting. Yeah. Yang uh, Skywalker. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And she then can they only say with a very wide face. Young Skywalker. <laughs> I feel like now we have if to. If only ins- this was the vidcast. I know, but we now need to insert him actually saying it just for comparison. Soon the rebellion will be crushed and Young Skywalker will be one of us. And then we go to Dagobah where Yoda clearly has COVID. Yes, Yoda's. Oh, poor Yoda. Yeah. So the purpose of this scene is essentially really for Yoda to confirm that Darth Vader is in fact Luke's father. Yeah. Which it's a little bit fucked up that clearly quite a lot of time has passed and you know like Obi-Wan's Force Ghost could have showed up surely at some point and been like Luke let's have a we sit down and a chat. I mean he does doesn't he? After does he Yeah, but it's quite far after the fact and like it's Yoda's, very far after the fact. Yeah, you know, it's right. this was what how long ago was Empire? A good little while. They've had time to build the best part of the Death Star. Oh my god, I'm starting to get some real red flags around Obi-Wan now. Anyway, we'll yeah. address that. We'll address that later. I feel like, yeah, we get to Dagobah. So uh-huh. yeah, Luke goes back to Dagobah to complete his training as requested. 
Uh-huh. Nothing that Yoda or Force Ghost Obi-Wan from Empire said came to pass. He saved his friends. Uh-huh. And he's come back to complete his training because he listened to them on that part. But Yoda's, yeah, Yoda's got the COVID and he's dying. And um, it's not great. Apart, <laughs> apart from... <laughs> Apart from how long it takes him to die, it, like they kind of undercut the sadness of this moment. I don't know if this was a deliberate joke, but it took <laughs> a real long time to die. It's really like... Like, it's just, it's too much. It's too long. Yeah, it's pretty excruciating. And also, <laughs> but he also just kind of goes from standing, having a conversation to being in the throes of death in quite a short space of time. He does, but maybe he just wants Luke's to go away. Maybe he's just trying to get him to go. Maybe he's just like, I'm, I'm tired and I want to watch my stories. Yeah, but he does disappear. <laughs> he does. But they can but do the that. key goes flat. They can do that, though. Like the Jedi's could do all sorts, as we've learned yeah. from the most recent movies. So they could do whatever George Lucas wants. Exactly. But I also love his uh, sassy little nine hundred years old. You reach look as good you will not. I was like, yes, no, Yoda. It's true. Yes, Yoda. Fair enough. You're still adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this scene. What was the point in this scene again? So the scene is actually just there. So I read, I don't know if this is true because I read it on IMDb, which doesn't necessarily give sources. Um, but apparently George Lucas spoke to a child psychologist, um, which was the root of having this scene in there. And the child psychologist informed George Lucas that if he didn't have somebody credible confirm that Luke Skywalker was the son of Darth Vader, if they didn't have somebody other than Darth Vader saying that, then children wouldn't believe it. Interesting. Children would just be like, he was lying. Okay, okay. So so they needed to have, apparently, again, this is IMDB, like the trivia section. So somebody might have just made this up, but the story is that this scene was put in to confirm. Yeah. Uh, and it couldn't really be Obi-Wan confirming because Obi-Wan's already full on lied about it. Obi-Wan told him the wrong thing in the first place, even though they subsequently have a conversation. Well, see, this is where my red flags go off because I feel like there's also stuff in this scene where he's like, he talks about how you know that Vader's your father. Unexpected, this is. It's like, is it? Is it, guy? Because I feel no, like... it's not unexpected that he told you. Because he says, "Told you yeah. he did." Yeah. Told you did he? Yes. Unexpected. But why? So but why is that unexpected? Maybe he didn't think that Vader would know. But why? <laughs> they're so like. I don't feel like there's any no, context. I don't think this. I don't think they're great judges of what people are going to do and what's going to work and what's not going to work. I and feel like them aren't like no. the most successful. I feel Jedi. like there's just like a whole big cover up for like just how extra Obi Wan was with the whole fucking throwing you throwing your dad into a pile of lava. I think there's just like a lot of hangover yeah, was, from that yeah. decision. Like I feel like just like oh, this is just really awkward. Like, we're not saying that yeah. Obi-Wan wasn't necessarily justified. Things got real intense there for a second, but we're still working through that choice. It's just been, it's been yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like, all right, so you didn't tell him that part. Okay, well, what, what are we going to say to him now? <laughs> like, we're just going to have to go with it. God, it's, it's oh, like, it's like, then is it? It's like the same thing as like, yeah, so your friend Obi-Wan like cut off all my limbs and threw me into a pile of lava told you he did unexpected this is like is it i mean if anything darth vader did obi-wan a bit of a solid <laughs> be like oh by the way i'm your father see the guy that you think's your mentor <laughs> yeah there's some there's some skywalker family drama yeah involved in this that like there's I some feel... kenobi 
drama like yeah kenobi skywalker drama i feel like they could have had their own like desperate jedi people of of tatooine style reality show where everyone's screaming at each other i don't know like i was was trying to keep it up with the kenobis yeah keep it up with the kenobis (laughs) (laughs) real housewives of mos eisley keep it up below barge that's going on social media I think, uh, okay, right, okay, right. Let's, keeping up with the Kenobis <laughs> is a great moment to leave fucking Dagobah. So Yoda dies. Um, Does anything Yoda else dies. happen? Well, then Luke kind of confronts Obi-Wan and says, Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you said that Darth Vader betrayed and murdered my father. I know what and I said. Obi-Wan I know what I said. basically, he like doubles don't, don't down. Don't come at me, okay? <laughs> yeah, and he was like, you know, he went evil and the person that I was friends with wasn't there anymore. So like, what yeah, she says is, so what I told you is true from a certain point of view. And then looks like a certain point of view. That would be the bit in the show, the reality show, where it would cut to like the diary room or like, so he said. Yeah, it's like, can you believe a, this bitch? From a certain point of view? <laughs> like unfollowed and then obi-wan says well many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view and then he basically is like you're gonna have to kill him though you know you're gonna have to kill your father and looks like i don't know if i can do that and obi-wan says well bury your feelings (laughs) you can't say that to people this is such a problematic conversation (laughs) it's not okay (laughs) <laughs> from a certain point of view bury your feelings nothing that i have said or done needs it can be questioned and it's you it's you that has the problem Luke. like <laughs> you don't understand you weren't there like <laughs> he's, kind our... of, he's gaslighting yeah. like this is just oh Woo. all right damage ben okay ben keeping up with the kunobis <laughs> it is <laughs> wow wow <laughs> okay most dramatic season ever (laughs) (laughs) well that's yeah yeah your father was seduced by the dark side of the force so i dismembered him and punted him into a volcano from a certain point of view i just think that that if you start using that it could be used in in any argument well i mean Yeah. yeah i mean i cheated on you from a certain point of view yeah but i mean i was pretending to be a plumber at the time so it wasn't really me yeah sure I drank the last of the milk from a certain point of view. Like you can literally apply it to anything. Yeah, or you you think I should go get more milk? Bury your feelings. <laughs> this is usable stuff. <laughs> this is usable stuff for any kind of sticky situation. Just like, yeah. Yeah, if Just anyone con- gives us a one-star review. <laughs> from a certain point of view. <laughs> Maybe you should, from a certain point of view, I think you really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, you definitely should bury your feelings. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, right, for the love of Dagobah. God, for the love of God, let's get <laughs> off Dagobah. Oh, gosh, right. Okay. Um, okay, so we've left Dagobah. We're now back on our rebel ship of some kind. Yes, this is all lovely. And we get also uh, the only other real, like, female of any note yeah. in the franchise to this point. We get Mon Mothma. Beautiful boss Mon Mothma, who's telling everybody about the new Death Star... So they have a plan where they're going to send a group to Endor, the forest moon, to disable the shields. It's roughly the same plan as last time. Let's be real. 
yeah, but the two meter gap is on Endor, not actually on the Death Star for some reason. Yeah. Which you would think mate, would make it, you couldn't really move it around that much. But anyway. Anyway. I. Who cares? Who cares? Exactly. I mean, it's always <laughs> the same plan, as we as we will discover yeah. in later movies. It's pretty much always the same plan, dressed up in a different package. But what I love about Mon Mothma is that mm. there's just something amazing. And again, I don't think this would have been intentional at all when they were making these movies. Or maybe it was. Maybe I'm not giving enough credit. Maybe it was. But like, I love that she is there. She is a leader. She's very elegant and graceful, but she's clearly older. She's an older yeah. lady, but she's beautiful. Yeah. And she's there and she's in charge and she's delivering this message of, of strategy and planning. And I'm like... Yes, yes, this is great. And then it makes me sad to remember that actually that was the way that they could have only imagine this was in a galaxy far, far away in a science fiction movie rather than yeah, actually they're like, what would, still... Yeah, what would make people know that it's not here? <laughs> yeah, a woman's in charge. <laughs> but she's lovely and wonderful. And everything about this, we get more Lando and Han bromance stuff. Uh-huh. They're great. Yeah. And Lando looks great. Lando's got his like powder blue, is it powder blue? cape powder blue cape which is knitted oh. i didn't notice before this one but um i actually looked up a knitting pattern for that cape and i didn't actually find one but i'm positive that that exists because sure what i've noticed from so i've got there's a local knitting shop called the yarn cake near me it's a yarn shop but they also have a little cafe they serve cakes and stuff and it's there's definitely a correlation between knitting people cat people and star wars people yeah that make that tracks yeah they all go together <laughs> so somebody definitely has a lando cape knitting pattern if they don't then you might have to be the first you have to figure it out i mean i think it would probably just be any powder blue cape yeah just... but then you need the <laughs> i mean it's just the powder blue cape i mean it's not like it's yeah i think you can figure it out or neat or anything yeah he looks great Lando and Han are so cute. I want all the fan fiction. Many Bothans died. Don't know what a Bothan is, but a lot of them died. Brave, a brave being. So little uh, half second silence for the Bothans that we've never met. Mm -hmm. Han says something at some point now, because I've got a note here. He says, I don't think the Empire had Wookiees in mind when they designed our Chewie. It's the, the the ship they take down to Endor. That's what it is. Yes, that's right. So they're on a stolen ship and they've got an old code. They had to get the Empire to lower the shields around Endor so that they can land. And Vader and Luke sense each other. That's right. While they're on the way. So Luke's like, and Luke's like I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have come. I've endangered the mission. Yeah. yeah. Han is, is even at that point, he's been like, I don't think they know. They'll be silly. And How then, could they know? They're yeah. not going to know. <laughs> okay Han <laughs> and yeah he has this great line I really liked it to the point where I wrote it down as I don't think the Empire had Wookiees in mind when they designed it which just like made me think of the world in which we mm. inhabit it's like if you're not part of the white straight able-bodied male patriarchy <laughs> the world is not designed for you and that just popped into my head when he said that line because I was like yeah the Empire is not yeah. interested because whenever we go to the Death Star like I said before it's just full of classically trained white male actors so yeah. like it is not a very diverse place so yeah yeah this point about the empire didn't have you in mind when they designed any of this is really mm-hmm. something i thought that stood out for me it was just like yeah because when you see the rebels and the and the rebel alliance there's there's just people made up from like i don't know what boffin is i don't know what they look like but like it's like mm-hmm. the, the implication is that there are lots of different species and people from different planets coming together to fight the empire 
because obviously yeah, more the grassroots. A, yeah, the Empire has a very homogenous idea of what the galaxy should look like. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, yes, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Yes, it is. <laughs> Thank you, Louise. Yep, moving on. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant. Yeah, no, no notes, nothing to add. You made your point perfectly. Fly casual. Just fly casual. <laughs> Hi, Casual. I told you it was dangerous here. Shut up, C3PO. Shut up. Why are you here? Why are you here? Why is C3PO? Why is he there? Like, I understand that later in this act of the movie, it becomes relevant from a writing point of view why he's there, but why this little gang of rebels who have fieldwork on their mind, being covert and running through bushes with guns, thought that C3PO would be useful is not apparent in this moment. Anyway. Anyway. So, Endor. We're talking a lot about Endor. Yeah. Endor, like, I feel like Endor in peacetime, would that be like a centre parks? A holiday <laughs> destination? Like a go ape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it feels like it might be somewhere you would go for a bit of an adventure holiday. Seems nice. Seems real pretty. nice. Pretty, yeah. It's pretty, yeah. Uh, Land- Lando's a general. They're all getting ready to head down to Endor to basically... They're the party that are going to... Yeah, so Lando is going to lead the fleet that's going to attack the Death Star. Turns out Han has volunteered to be part of the wee party that goes to Endor. It looks a bit like Leia's going to kick off because he's clearly not consulted her in this. And he hasn't consulted Chewie either, so it must have been... I just think it must have been quite an in-the-moment Well, he also says, it's going to be rough, pal. I didn't want to speak for you. Yeah. Which I thought was really cute. I mean, it's like, yeah, fair enough, you know. Yeah. It's not the boss of him. And, you know, and Leia just wants to go. She thinks it'll be good. So she volunteers. And then Luke comes in the door and says, I'll come with you too. So it's all the gang. So they land on Endor, quite quickly get discovered. Yeah, really quickly get discovered. Because Han's clumsy. Yes. Even after being told to be quiet. Be quiet. You can't. You can't, yeah. So speeder bike chase. Han is clumsy, gives away their location, and two stormtroopers uh-huh. who had speeder bikes were in the vicinity. So uh, Luke and Leia end up going to chase some stormtroopers so that they can't report back to the base. Leia falls off hers. And that's how Leia gets separated from the gang. And, it, and it's just very cool. It's a very cool... Yeah, it's a good bit. Yeah, and it, I, I noticed it's it's got a vibe where it's like, yes, okay, it's clearly been made in a time where the technology we have now is is far more advanced, but it doesn't look that dated to me. Like it's no, still it's very frenetic and exciting and yeah, I just like it. I don't think it's I don't think it's aged badly. I think it still looks really no. cool. Again, it hasn't aged nearly as badly as all of the CGI shite at the start. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Like because like CGI is such a complicated thing because the, the technology moves so quickly and it was sort of in its infancy when they used it for that remaster. And it's always going to have Uncanny Valley elements, whereas this, like, although you know it's not real, the, the, the type of film trickery they have used is sort of practical enough that it feels, yeah. it gives you the feeling of being on a speeder bike with them, like, and that's yeah. all I want. It's great. It really looks brilliant. And um, all the all these years on, yeah. it's still really cool. And then we get Wicket. Yeah. Oh, I love him. It's a good bit. It's a really good bit. And I'm sure I've read things where people were kind of like, "Oh, people didn't like. Did people not like Ewoks? Or is Ewoks were seen as? So I feel like there's some Ewok snobbery out there. I get the impression that before we got Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. that over time, mainly through boys liking Ewoks mm. wasn't cool because they were okay. cute and they were cuddly and they were not there for the boys of the franchise. They were there either for the women or the kids. 
Okay. Which I suppose, like, if you compare everyone's reaction to Jar Jar Binks when mm-hmm. Phantom Menace came out, I can sort of see that, like, at the, at the same time, if you'd been with A New Hope, then Empire, and then Jedi came along and they had there was these cute little teddy bear-like characters. Logically, mm-hmm. I can see certain people with certain sets of opinions going, ugh, that's just jarring. There. Yeah, that's just there for merchandising or that's just there for the kids mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't really like them. But actually, they're so great. I really like them. They're good. Yeah, and yeah, sorry to quote, a man and another franchise but Simon Pegg in Space said it best when he said Jar Jar Binks makes the Ewoks look like fucking Shaft like <laughs> that's just yeah they're great and I'm also fine with a little bit of merchandising in that way because yeah. like, what were they called the little um, owl alien things in the recent movies um, porks porks I don't mind them I like them no, they're cute no, they're fine and also I think that some of the Ewoks power is in being underestimated Exactly. Exactly. People don't see them as a threat, but actually, they're incredibly violent. <laughs> they're so violent, and they've got <laughs> they've got multiple creative ways of being violent. Yeah, they'll cut bitch. <laughs> they so well. They will crush your head with a log. Yeah, they will decapitate you. They will like there's so many things that they will do, and I think that's the brilliant difference and why they're great to me and why they stand the test of time with this movie because like. Oh, Jar Jar Binks again like there's no uh, there's no redeemable element of that character and why it was there and what he represents whereas the the Ewoks in addition to being adorable also say a lot of things about different types of species that live on different types of planets in this galaxy and Mm -hmm. they do initially do look a bit tribal and what you know in inverted commas would be interpreted as savage but they're actually really smart and they just have their own way of living and that's fine their own code and I think you know it's like we see that they are quite open to Leia they they try you know they later try and eat her friends but but they didn't know Leia treats Wicket with respect and you know she doesn't you know she doesn't want him to be scared she gives him some food it's also um, she shows him her hat it's also really like unpatronizing this is uh-huh. this initial interaction between leia and wicket like this is another reason why i really love what's presented about the rebels and the energy and the tone from leia in this moment is like yeah you're a cute little thing that's different from me i'm not going to patronize you i'm not going to like be like yeah. Do you understand that yeah, there's no, like, she's just like, do you want some Yeah, food? she doesn't talk to him louder. Yeah, she doesn't <laughs> talk to him louder. She doesn't, like, there's not, it doesn't feel patronising. She's just like, oh, I just fell off a speeder bike. Oh, hey, hey, little dude, how are you doing? Do you want yeah. some food? Like, it just feels very... It's partly that she, I think she is just a compassionate, nice person. Yes. And then there's also, like, she's also a diplomat. She's a diplomat, yeah. And, and I think all of these things, again, maybe I'm being overly analytical, but all of these things are what make her a key, the right key player in a rebellion against fascism. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's yeah. like this idea of her being like, this is a large galaxy with lots of different moons and planets, and I don't understand yeah. every species that's on it. Hey, guy. Yeah, we should get yeah. everybody on our team Yeah, yeah. that we can. It's great, and I love it. And yeah. I thought it stood it, it stood out to me, this this interaction. And then they're straight away their pals mm-hmm. and it's about keeping each other safe. And then she goes away to hang out with them and they have an entirely new set of clothes for her. She gets her hair done. <laughs> yeah. Well it was like I guess she could just undo that tight braid and she has like this really great crimped hair, but like she's wearing a dress now. She's wearing like yeah. this flowy, like wood nymph. Yeah. I mean it's like did, was that in your Look, was that in with your packed lunch? They might be small and furry, but I'm sure they've got a mall. Like yeah. I'm sure like yeah. yeah. They've got their own thing going on. And yeah, as the arbiter 
of Jackie's facts, Arbiter, as the keeper of facts, you probably already know this, <laughs> that Warwick Davis is Wicket, a very young mm. Warwick Davis. He was 11. Yeah, you already knew. Jackie's facts. Jackie's... Boom, 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 boom. That's going to be the jingle. Yeah, so he um, was 11. I don't know if it was his first film. Maybe, maybe it was. Um, but he said that Carrie Fisher was very nice to him on set. Well, I mean, that's not surprising at all. Just made sure he got lots of water because it was very hot in his costume. That's exactly what I would expect from Queen Fisher. Yeah. I mean, you would hope that somebody on the set is looking after all of the children... I mean, in very hot costumes. Because <laughs> we all know that the film industry has been renowned it's not... for its care and uh, its focus on well being. Yes. Uh... <laughs> Particularly uh... if you are a person with dwarfism or mm-hmm. any kind of disability. Or just a woman. Traditionally very understanding and kind. Yeah, it's very traditionally understanding and kind. So I'm sure that was fine. Um, So yeah, so I guess like, is it nice that Carrie Fisher was nice to him or is it grim that that was... Noticeable? Had to be her job, like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, that's... Like five dozen Ewoks. (laughs) It absolutely should not have been her job. Yeah. Especially considering that, given her role in the movie and her profile at this point, that she could not at all have been expected to be around him as much as like very much tall outside of the scenes they had together so what that says to me that that there was a lot of time that um, Warwick Davis spent dehydrated and not treated so great yeah so there you go Uh, but we are moving on every day progress is happening all the time (laughs) yes so Right about this point in the movie is when I start to get really angry at C-3PO again. Yes. Um, before I forget, I have another fact. <gasps> Time for another Jackie's fact. Um, about the language that the Ewoks speak. Um, oh. Actually, it's not even that interesting a fact. It's probably my least interesting fact that I have. But it's based on, it was created by a sound man called Ben Burt, who watched a documentary about people from the Kalmyk region of Russia and they have a dialect that's from the uh, Mongolic language and uh, he really liked the way it's kind of like quite sharp sounding and like lots of like choos and twos and das and tas and uh, he found an 80 year old Kalmyk woman and got her to record lots of tales of her people and then they hired voice actors and they sort of built a language off of things that she said so that's what the that's what they're speaking I cannot believe that you preface that with saying you think that's your most like your least interesting fact. That's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. And do you know what else it makes me think? It makes me think that actually, if we lived in a better society, the things that should have been promoted as an offshoot of this movie shouldn't have been fucking Lego and plastic toys that ended up in landfill. It should have been like, did you know about the different documentary? The refugees from Kalmykia. Did you, did you know about the different cultures that we basically pillaged to make this movie? Yeah. I know because there are so many characters that you go through that it's like it quite often it'll be a, somewhere in the continent of Africa, a language yeah. that they've used. I, I think uh, Greedo from the first movie, was it Greedo? Greedo is definitely speaking some kind of language. Um, Lando's lieutenant is speaking a different one. They're just languages that aren't English. And obviously, everybody only speaks English, so who's going to notice? Well, like, let's post something on our social media about this tribe and their language and how this sound guy came up with the Ewoks 
language because I think that's makes a really interesting point about how actually there's a bit of appropriation of different cultures I have lots of thoughts about appropriation that are for another podcast they're not for right now but like there is something in that it's like there are things to learn here and Uh it's brilliant that Star Wars did it but that's not the thing that gets profiled no it kind of would have been I mean it's it was nice for the Star Wars people to be able to do it because it saved them coming up with something that sounded like a viable language yeah so it would have made more sense for them to do it and then and they it's not like they don't draw from they draw from you know various different cultures and things to present the different types of worlds we see in the movies uh, and the franchises so like it makes sense to inject things that are real it's just that we the audience has no context for that so yeah, yeah, it's nice to let's put it on social media because I think that's really cool. Okay, we'll do so Jackie's facts that. wins again. That was another great Jackie's facts. So yes, yeah, so Leia has fallen off her speeder bike. Mm-hmm. She's met Wicket. They've become pals and they've wandered off. Great. Yeah. In the meantime, the boys are like, "Where's Leia?" Mm-hmm. They reconvene. Luke is like. I'm back. Hans like, back. where's yeah. Leah? Luke is like, I thought she was with you. And they have that moment. And then they get caught up in a net. Mm-hmm. Who's a net? No. Um, they, <laughs> they get caught in an Ewok trap because Chewie's hungry. Yes. And that's fair. He's a big boy. And I haven't actually seen anybody in this movie eat, really. So, yeah. you know. And they only have, uh, it looks like Leah has, whatever Leah has that she shares with Wicket. She's got some fucking, satisfy some Chewie. protein bars or something. Yeah. Some Rivita. Yeah, and uh, Chewie's like, I'm hungry. Here's the dead thing, which gives us an insight into what Wookiees eat. Yeah. Because um, this thing is like barely dead and skinned alive and yeah. hung up. Bloody um, Ewoks, they're so violent. Super violent. And also like, yeah. very resourceful like this this took some rigging and they've clearly killed something roughly the same size as them to hang up Chewie's taken in into the net they go C-3PO has a real fucking whiny time about it they all have a moment he's got problems and no solutions that guy you know who has a solution R2-D2 of course he does he whips out his little like you know he's he's literally a, a, a fucking Swiss army knife on wheels so he whips out his little <laughs> yeah. Little mini table saw and gets them out of the the net, and then the, the religion of C three PO starts. And it's just it's Ugh, very irritating. It's the last thing we need. This <laughs> is very irritating. So yeah, so the Ewoks turn up because they set the trap. They've caught them. They see C three PO and he's all shiny and gold, so they think he's a god. And C three PO does nothing. To, although he says he shouldn't, can it would be against his protocol to convince them of this. He does absolutely nothing to dissuade them of this notion. Yeah, he's um, kind of like, oh, guys, no, I'm not. Oh, oh, a god! Stop saying that. I mean, I just, I just buffed, I just buffed the other day, but thank you. No, that's so nice. I mean, I suppose yeah. I am kind of godlike. Uh, yeah, I know you think. Yeah, like I know this. I shine. You know, I'm really shiny. I get it. Yeah. And he is completely ready to let his friends get eaten. Just completely uh-huh. ready for that to happen. It's just, yeah. Fine with it. He's like, I tried to tell them. Sorry. No, you didn't. You didn't no, try didn't. and tell them. You you made no effort to try and tell them. When they, when they get um, back to the Ewok 
village. Yeah. Leah, who doesn't even speak their language, is like, they're my friends. Like, yeah. And they're kind of listening, but then they kind of... It's just like, yeah, there's no attempt on C-3PO's part to like... Absolutely none. And there's like a cute little moment of like, so it turns out they're going to cook Han specifically. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to say, coming back to Ewoks being resourceful, there must yeah. have been some cooperation to get them strung up to march them back to, like, <laughs> to march them back that? to the Ewok village because I was like I mean look I can kind of believe that you did it by yourselves but Han and Chewie like but I mean Luke could have like force jumped his way out of there quite easily well I only say Luke because I feel like well he's slightly more diminutive than Han and Chewie but not by much compared to Han but I feel like he had the diplomacy to just go let's just let them do it I'm gonna let them tie me up and we'll figure this out yeah. as we go along Whereas I feel like Chewie would not have stood for that. So how they got him tied up, hog-tied like that, I do, I, I do not know. So that says something about the resourcefulness of these adorable little creatures. So yeah, so they hog-tie them and march them back to the, to the, to the village for a party. Yeah, it was, from what I see, they're only going to eat Han or are they going to eat Luke as well? I thought it was just Han. Was I feel, like they, I feel like they were going to get round to eating them all, I feel okay, like. At some point, but Han first for sure. For sure. And they go as far as that they have like the little, they have like the big stick with the flame on it. Han's <laughs> yeah. trying to blow it out. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great, Greg. He's so good. Luke is just very, very chill. Not really that bothered. Quite comfortable that he can get himself out of a jam. Well, I mean, we, we touched on this at the beginning. He's done some work on himself. He's done some yoga. I don't know what's happened, but he is. Yeah, he's just like very chill. Yeah. And then the gag is that so Leah emerges with her beautiful, long, crimped, waist length, crimped hair and her Ewok indoor dress. And mm -hmm. they're trying to tell C-3PO, could you just tell them that we mm -hmm. are on the same team here rather than fucking letting this continue? And mm -hmm. Luke says something along the lines of, tell them that if you don't do what I say, I, you will anger me or something like that. I can't, or I will yeah. show, you, show you the extent of my power. Mm -hmm. And then lifts him up with his Jedi Force powers. And it, which is great and fine as a tactic, but I'm still a bit like in the process of this C3PO. Why have you not been like, look, Master Luke, what can we do here? It reinforces my argument that he C3PO was just fully ready to let them be and, and just live his life out as a god and on Endor. That was what I think yeah. the plan was. Yeah, I mean, this is really the last significant thing that we get from C3PO in the original trilogy um and he just really hasn't redeemed himself at this point has he no well okay well he's yeah he he does redeem himself a little bit later actually for me um okay but this point i was just like you're you're just wasting time friend so we basically go from there to the bit where c3po redeems himself for me a little bit because i actually really love the scene where he is telling the story of their adventure up until this point to all the ewoks oh that is nice I think it's really beautiful. I think it, it, there's something about it that touches me. It really touches me because the way he uses different sound effects and he's telling it in such detail. Yeah. I, I just love that it. That's good. Cinematically that and story-driven. I just think it's lovely. And um, and that they're all together. And then there's this moment that says, you're now officially in the tribe. And it's just, it's lovely. Oh, nice. Yeah. Really lovely. So he does redeem himself a little bit there. Uh, okay. Which might just be writing. It might just be he finally found something good for him to do. <laughs> Yeah, there needs to be a point for him to be there. Okay, so the verdict, do we need to do a verdict on C-3PO? I feel like we've been building to some sort of 3PO reckoning, but are we just kind of like, no, man tells a good story. Um, I think if I were to sum summarise, I think he is a flawed 
individual. I could do without him, but I also couldn't do... <laughs> I could do without oh. him, but I need him there. I need him there. He's C-3PO. Okay. He's part of the original gang. Fine. Yeah. He's... Yeah, he's not useful, apart he's from only, the language. He's only ever useful accidentally. Yeah. I, you know, he just, he just, he just needs to go and do some work on himself. He needs he to go do some work. On so when I watched The Phantom Menace, the only thing I can really think of, well, not the only thing, but like I suppose, like in defense of him, he was built by Anakin as a little boy to essentially be help his mum around the place. Mm. So I guess he was kind of built to just to go with the flow, do what he's told. Whereas R2 ends up in it because he does something really brave on like a rebel ship. On like not on a not on a rebel ship, but on like one of the Jedi's ship or on Padme's. I can't remember. Mm. Which and is then it's like, oh make sure you take that R2 droid because he's really brave. Which is essentially what he does throughout this set of the of the like this trilogy within the franchise. He does kind of do what he's told. He just bitches and moans about it. Yeah. I, I, guess I, I guess he was like his expectations were that he was gonna be on Tatooine, like doing the messages. Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right. Okay. Okay. No, but it's not to say. So I just, well, I just, the way he speaks to R2 is not okay. It's not okay. 90% of the time. He does need to do work on himself. Um, (laughs) But I think also the pair of them have a very different upbringing. Programming. They do. And I feel like this would be a great segue because I feel like I, at this point, feel like we're spending too much time on the droids. Okay. And not enough time on two other people whose upbringings are relevant in this next scene. Yes, let's yeah, let's get off the droids. We said enough. <laughs> we need to get off the droids. Ugh, Basically, C- the droids already. C-3PO is a badly written comedy device and R2-D2 is an, a king with unflappable self-esteem. Mm-hmm. They both have their place. They're both in the gang. We love one of them unconditionally. We, we love one of them under duress. That's fine. <laughs> Very much conditionally. Yeah. (laughs) But speaking of people we love unconditionally, Mm. we're having a party on Endor. Everyone's a member of the tribe. And Luke, because he's emo now, Mm -hmm. leaves the party and goes outside to brood. Yes. And is followed by Leia. (sighs) These two. These two. This is an important scene. Luke has, we forgot to say, on Dagobah, Obi-Wan drops in that he has a twin sister. Again, it could have come up sooner. Yes, this was um, interesting to me because yeah. he says, your insight serves you well. It's like, does it really? Or is she just the only other yeah. woman? She's the only woman in the yeah. franchise. Like, it's so her course- and Mothma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yes, we, that's right. We got the whole, your, you have a sister drop with Obi-Wan. Yeah. Obi-Wan problematic. <laughs> <laughs> so yes so they have a little moment out on the uh-huh. Ewok bridge yeah so at this point Luke knows but Leia doesn't mm-hmm. and he kind of is obviously trying to figure out how to say goodbye to her because he knows he needs to go mm-hmm. and face Vader and so he asked her about her mum and she says so there's something that confused me because she said that she did remember but she died when she was very young and she was very kind but sad and is she remembering her adopted mother or is she like force remembering Padme? I feel like that's up to us because I feel like with the knowledge that we have with all of the other movies that have come in, in the franchise, we're a bit like, well, you can't know your real mother because you were separated from her at birth. Mm-hmm. However, you did have an actual mother who is no longer around and you're very young. So yeah, I think that's up to us. My interpretation of it is that 
you couldn't possibly neither of you could remember your mother it's not possible your mm-hmm. actual mother and I feel like Luke is asking because he has no memories of his mother uh-huh. and he's asking because he hopes that she might and I think because their upbringings were very different so Luke was dropped with an aunt and uncle in a mm-hmm. in a very you know rough disenfranchised outer rim you're not important kind of environment and she was left to be royalty she probably has lots of different people who would have represented family for her whereas mm-hmm. he he's grasping at memories so I feel like I feel like he's asking because he has nothing and she has a memory of someone even mm-hmm. if it's not her actual mother and there's also like this link to like that horrible thing and I think it's just I think it's just horrible writing where they talk about in the in the future movies that Padme died of a broken heart what what is more likely to kill women is it broken heart or is it fucking childbirth? <laughs> well, according to the to papers published in the Victorian era, women could die of all sorts of things, uh, <laughs> including like a hysteria, a lost slipper, uh, an overly an overly forceful sneeze, and many yes. other things in between. Having um, too long of a nap on a on a pee for being far too fucking beautiful. Yeah, I feel like she is remembering a, a general sadness from her upbringing and not her actual mm-hmm. mother. But that okay. line, that horrible line, uh, or not, that, it wasn't a horrible line when it was said by Carrie Fisher in this movie, like, I just remember her being sad. I think that mm-hmm. is the line that they grasped upon to create this, mm-hmm. like, oh, she died of a broken heart nonsense yeah. in the later movies. That is my TED Talk on this particular mm-hmm. question. Thank you for coming. She had also been force choked right before she. Oh my god! I forgot about that. Uh, I I feel like I need to. Right, I'm sorry. It was plus childbirth of twins. I I forgot about that. Fuck that. I'm gonna I'm gonna hate watch. I'm gonna hate rewatch those movies. I think in the next few days because. Wow. Anyway, right. So where are we? <laughs> Luke is essentially having a deep and meaningful with Leah mm-hmm. and reveals to her that she is his sister. That's right. And he does it so subtly. The force is strong in my family. I have it. Pregnant pause. My father has it. Pregnant pause. And my sister has it. Mm-hmm. Nudge, nudge. Heavy, heavy wink, eye wink. contact. Heavy, heavy <laughs> eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like there being high school drama, high school production of a school play level yeah. melodramatic in this scene but it's fine. It's, it's fine i love it and then um han comes out afterwards and, and she's all emotional oh. she's learned this big heavy thing and he's there has <laughs> never been really? another man committed to cinema who has handled something as well as han handles this a hundred percent he handles this so well like it's just he gives her her space but then he feels his feelings and comes back in a little bit, but then gives her her yeah. again. And then he's yeah, because like, because he's like he wants to know what's wrong, and she won't tell. She's like, oh, I can't, like I just can't talk about it. And he was like, oh, but you could tell Luke. And then he like goes to storm off, and then like five seconds later he comes back. He's like, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it is literally the blueprint for how we would want anyone to handle a kind of dramatic situation. Yeah, in this moment, like a or like a man, basically that we would uh, uh-huh. we would want a man to handle this situation because he's just like he's entitled to feel his feelings, which he definitely Absolutely. does. And then, but then he checks himself. Well, he stops making them more important than her feelings because she's the one who's actually who's visibly really upset. Exactly, 
and then he doesn't get a resolution for himself. He, mm-hmm. she just, she just asks him to hold her, and he does. He does. <laughs> He's a king in this scene. He's so good, and he just doesn't want her to be sad. And he's got the wrong end of the stick, but he doesn't push it. Yeah, it's really he's not, and he's he just wants her to be okay. It's unique because yeah. if if every other movie that involved a cis heteronormative romance between a man and a woman, which has always been fed ever since, had yeah. taken that as the blueprint, uh-huh. <laughs> we'd all be far more well adjusted. Because <laughs> like, yeah. this is never used again. This this no. this way of handling something has is never seen again. In no. the history of cinema, after this moment, <laughs> like, and they're not... much more problematic in like children's films. Like the what they do is they do like a Harry Hermione Ron thing, mm-hmm. or they do a Twilight thing. It's always it's always a love triangle. There's always a team that you're on of who she should be with. She's never just happy on her own. Yeah, or she gets um, yelled at, or gets yeah. like misunderstood, or mind games are played, and even if it's just like. Just there's not a love triangle involved. If it's just a romance, uh-huh. it's just mind games and drama. Yeah. Like what we saw in this moment was kind of an example of a healthy person, uh-huh. a mentally healthy person going, "I feel this. I want to be there for you. You don't look like you need me right now. I'm going to back away, but oh, my feelings are getting the better of me. But I'm going to check them." Yeah. <sighs> anyway, Perfect. I don't think no Star notes, Wars. Man. No notes. I don't think Star Wars knew that that's what they were giving us, and I don't think that we knew. No. Then what we know now. <laughs> no, because when you when you when when you think back in hand, like you kind of just remember him as like a hothead, and he's always like he's kind of quick to draw his blaster, or he's you know he doesn't want he doesn't really like being told what to do. He's not cooperative with the Ewoks. No, he's kind of rubbish with the Ewoks. I'll give you that. He is yeah, kind of he is rubbish with the Ewoks. He's like, uh, no, I'm not going yeah, to. Yeah, he's like, and he says like, something just... like, when the C three PO says, "We're all a member of the tribe now," he goes, "Oh, great, just what I've always wanted." And it's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, sassy McGee. All right. Yeah, like, but then they they'd have just tried to eat him. That's true. That and is it's... true. And he gives there's the little one that comes and gives him a cuddle when C three PO is telling him his story, and he gives him a wee clap. He does, yeah. And they do become pals later. They do. Like yeah. he's just he's just got that kind of like I'm a sexy edgy pirate. Don't don't let me show you my lovable side just yet. Yeah, and he just doesn't like being made to look stupid. That's true. That's and there's true. there are a few times it happens throughout the trilogy where oh. the thing that annoys him the most is when somebody makes him look a bit silly. And speaking of, actually, I for completely forgot sorry to bring it back to C3PO, but I completely forgot about <laughs> the random moment of comedy in the indoor village with the Ewoks where he's like, Okay, tell them this and also this. Yeah. And get, see if you can get our weapons back. And then this. Yeah. And then that little like, <laughs> hurry up, will you? Like this. Yeah. Like, all day. Yeah. I forgot about that. I have no I have nothing to add other than that. I forgot to mention it. Anyway, we are yes. really needing to speed through this. We need to get through that. Yeah. Like. So we've done this. So that's about it for Endor just now. Looks away off final act, really, at this point, isn't it? Yeah, it looks a bit to see his dad. Oh, so, well, actually, no, there's two things that have to go on because they still have to get to the shield generator. They do, yes, they there's do. There's Lando up in space with Lando's up the in Falcon. Space. With his friend, whose name escapes me. What is his friend that he's on the Falcon with? Um, I, I'm not sure I've known his name. He has a name. Hold on, I'll give it a quick Google. Nyan Numb? Lando co-pilot. Yeah, Nyan Numb. He's a native of Sulist, apparently. And he was also an arms dealer and a smuggler. So that's how they know each other. <laughs> yeah. 
Good egg, um, Yeah, he's a good egg. Nien Num. So he, I knew he had a whole thing going on. Yeah, so two of them are way up in the in the Falcon dealing with the sky battle, the star mm-hmm. war, if you will, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's happening above Endor. Yeah, so on, on Endor, the gang have to go and bring down the shield. That has to happen. Yeah, but in the yeah. meantime, Luke's off to kill Vader. Yes, so he has daddy issues to work out. Daddy issues to work Rel- out. Relatable content. Mm-hmm. So it jumps in between. Like, basically, the Battle of Endor involves the key hits for me, the top mm-hmm. five hits for me on the Battle of Endor are Leia's outfit. Mm-hmm. This Battle of Endor outfit looks a little like something that a member of Atomic Kitten would wear in the early 2000s. She's got this kind of like camo <laughs> poncho thing with some powder blue skinny jeans and some boots. It's very. Yeah. So what they would have worn like upon their arrival and a celebrity get me out of here. Absolutely. Or something that Victoria Beckham would be papped in if she was out shopping in Mayfair. Like it's just yeah. very, like I feel like she's thrown some big shades and have a cappuccino in her hand. It's mm-hmm. superb. So she looks sensational in her battle outfit. And the, the, the Ewoks are on it. They have come up with multiple battle strategies. And the yeah. time it has taken them to have a party and become friends with these new people. They understand what is going on. They get the stakes. They are in it. They don't always get it right at the beginning of the battle, but they start to really kick some butt. Mm-hmm. What else happens? For me, the best bit, the highlight of the Battle of Endor for me is a Han and Leia moment when... Oh, the Han, oh, the Han and Leia stuff, yeah. They're kind of, I don't know, at the entrance of where they need to be, but there have been lots of stormtroopers. So, like, one of the Ewoks throws something at, one of the, at the stormtroopers, like, three of them... He, he seals the speeder bike <laughs> and, like, all four, three or four of them go after him. It's like, that's like... <laughs> It's like, I think I've actually got a note that says three stormtroopers for one rogue Ewok, question mark. <laughs> yeah. It's a yeah. bit overkill, leaving it's the base like, like unguarded. But at some point, Leia and Han end up sort of using that kind of doorway as a bit of a defence. And Leia gets shot in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And Han's defending her, but then a stormtrooper comes up and it kind of looks like they're done. Mm-hmm. And she gives him a little look and she's like... She like opens her little cape and she's got a wee blaster hiding under there. And he just looks at her with like these like soppy eyes. Like, I love you. And then she okay. says, oh, we have to just put it in. We just have to put it in. <laughs> I love you. I know. I mean, talked about enough. Jackie, I just flooded my basement right now just <laughs> from the retelling of it from you. Like it's, who among us has not role played that during sex? Like it's... Uh. <laughs> It's so good. Yeah. yeah, he says, I love you. And he says it in such a like, oh. Like he really does. I really love you. Yeah, it's really like, it's weighted. And she, when she says, I know, she really means it. Yeah. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. Oh, it's great. It's I a mean, great return. And it's a great little like, I don't know, just like a, I don't know. They're just so equal. Yeah, they're great. They're so equal. They love each other so much. I think it's maybe a bit unintentionally cruel from Leia to say that when Han at this point thinks that she might be in love with Luke and not him. Well, does he think that or is he just like, there's something going on that you're not telling me? Well, he kind of comes up with it later. Actually, do you know what we've just said has just popped something into my head? You said he's being really like gracious or like open with his feelings, even though he might have a feeling in the back of his head that he she loves another man. Uh-huh. Because we've been programmed to expect men to behave badly because of that. But what Han is doing is going, I love you anyway. I'm just, I'm just expressing my feelings yeah, to you. Yeah, like I think you're spectacular anyway. You yeah. might love this other man. 
but I love you. And if that's what has to happen and that's how this, like, that's really like, I don't know if it's just the Pinot Grigio or just the great chat, but that's just popped something in my head of like, our expectation because we've been programmed to expect it from the patriarchy is for a man to be like a dick about that. Whereas Han's like, I have this at the back of my head, but it doesn't matter right now because I love you and this is amazing. Yeah, you're so cool. And it's oh, not because <laughs> it's not because she looks sexy and it's not because she's like, I don't know, doing what he wants her to do. It's because she's cool as fuck. And it's it's like it's almost suggesting maybe I'm being a little bit too hopeful here, but it's almost suggesting that he can love her without expecting anything from her other than. Can, is that a thing? I, I think that's is that a thing? I don't know. <laughs> but maybe Han Solo gave that to us in Return of the Jedi all those years ago. And we were not listening. We were not listening. I don't know. So, is that why it's all, everything's so disappointing? Maybe, maybe. We were needed to be, no, but we needed to be paying more attention. Yeah. But the patriarchy Ugh. distracted us because what actually was happening there was, and, you know, I'm sure some people would at us and argue with us about this, but it does bear out later in the movie. Like, he is fully prepared uh-huh. to walk away later. Yeah. In the, he is yeah. not being bitter in this moment. He is fully in love with Leia in this moment. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and it still could be their last moments. He just, like... Oh, he's so great. He is su- he's such a great man. <laughs> Good. I love Han Solo. Okay, so speaking of great men, speaking uh, of truly great men, Lando is up in the sky with his pal mm-hmm. on the Falcon, Admiral Akbar Fishman, yeah. who I'm sure on the fish planet from which he is from, he's like the Sean Connery or the George Clooney of Fishmen. I'm sure he is. Yeah, if that's or Sean thing. Bean type. Yeah, like like he's yeah. a handsome in charge kind of salt and pepper guy. If you were human, yeah. but he's not. He's he's a fishman. So Admiral Ibar is leading the the Star War, the Star Star War, leading the Star War <laughs> of this guy, and so they've all arrived ready and willing to well take down the Death Star based on the plans that are going down on on Endor. I can't remember if it's at this point or slightly later, but we do get a little bit more bromance from, distanced bromance from uh, Lando and Han. Isn't Lando like, he's going to bring it down, don't worry, have faith in Han. Yeah, because in, in some of the intermittent moments we've been on on the Death Star with Luke and Vader and the Emperor, because Luke's gone and hands himself in, essentially. Okay, yeah, maybe and we should cover that at this point. Because there is, there is, basically there's stuff that happens that affects each other. Yeah, I, so, I don't have a lot to say about the Luke... Darth Vader Emperor chat. I find it really I find it really tedious. I find it really tedious. But a lot of it's just quite plot devicey. Luke learns when he gets there that the Emperor knows the plan. Yeah, but he also kind of doesn't. Picked- he knows what their plan was, but like So there's more people guarding the shield than anticipated. Yeah. Because Darth Vader obviously knew that they were on that ship going, so he's like, I know what their plan is, send a bunch of people down, get them. And but, yeah, but, but he, he didn't they didn't know that they were gonna befriend all the Exactly. Ewoks. They didn't know the the rebels befriended all the e- the Ewoks <laughs> because the Empire couldn't understand that they, there could be interspecies fucking an interplanetary fucking dialogue. Yeah. Because they're a bunch of fucking fascists. Yeah. So he didn't really know the plan. He's full of shit. The fucking yeah. it's just it's just like a lot of like villain exposition is happening up on the new Death yeah. Star, and yeah. it's and, the, uh, and quite boring. Yeah, the idea, I guess, is to make Luke watch his friends fail and all be killed. 
Yeah. He's... To make him angry and sad. And then turn to the dark side and then like, but then what? Because like, is he going to switch to the dark side because he hates the emperor? But then is he going to just suddenly be like, okay, but I'm evil now, so I'll just work for you. And it's also like, it's also this like very weird cut and dry, like fill yourself with hate that gonna bring you to the dark side it's like yeah i mean sure guy but like i'm angry but like i'm angry for good reason i'm angry because i'm compassionate i'm angry because i don't i have understood that this man is my father and that you've got control of him i'm angry because i have friends on endor who are fighting for the cause i believe on and you want to kill them Mm -hmm. so i'm like yeah guy i mean i don't really know what you're like it seems so flawed and (laughs) and kind of it just yeah it doesn't make any sense like i'm not entirely sure what the emperor wants from luke other than this like kind of broadly drawn idea of evil that we are being presented yeah i think Um, it's just i guess that's the way he got control of anakin is by ruling it's not like he massacred padme in front of him or something It's Um, it's also just like what does ruling the galaxy mean like it feels like at the yeah. moment we're constantly in a star war. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop doing that. That's the third time I've done that. I'm going to stop doing it. <laughs> but it's like it's just yeah. It just feels like what exactly are you like? And also what up until this point from Luke yeah. has given you the vibe that he's going to be like, yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> and also what happened to Vader's whole join me and will depose the Emperor and rule the galaxy as father and son? He's just turned into a little bee. Now that's an ex- that's a that's an ex. Excellent point, because actually, I mean, you look at this as it's being set up now, this idea of like, we'll rule the galaxy as father and son, like, I feel like you didn't discuss that with the Emperor. I feel like you're like, let's bump this old dude. But I think he and, says that in Empire. I think he's yeah, like, we'll... he essentially says that. So it's yeah. like, he's not, he doesn't love the Empire, uh, the Emperor. The Emperor's like, yeah, it's it's weird. It's It needs to be in the movie because it's the whole crux of yeah. why we're baffling in the first place but it doesn't feel as well thought out as everything else yeah um uh, yeah so they're having their what is arguably the coolest like bit of sword fi- sword fighting for want of a better it is or lightsaber fighting it, it looks amazing they have a fight with the lightsabers and it looks incredible and it's given us some iconic images because they're fighting in this dark space Mm-hmm. Fab. Um, speaking of lightsabers, like um, the other thing that um, Darth says, which I I thought was interesting, was that he says you've crafted a new lightsaber, mm-hmm. which I thought was like interesting. I was like, when did you learn to do that? <laughs> I think he's done it. You must have done it between Empire and Jedi because he loses his lightsaber. He does, but like I thought the lightsaber gets was like off. the special thing that he'd never encountered before he met Obi Wan that day on Tatooine. So I'm like, how did you learn to do this? But anyway. Yeah, so the scene, the fight scene is great. It's going well. We're back on Endor. Sorry, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help us move through. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking we're on three hours. A long time. Um, so we're back on Endor. Things are happening with the Ewoks. Ewoks are resourceful as fuck. They are smashing people. They're decapitating people. They are. Some of them are dying, which I didn't cope too well yeah. with. I have to be honest. I did not like the dead Ewok. I've never liked dead Ewok, but. I don't know whether it's the pandemic or just how emotional I've been over the last six months, but I was like, I can't, no, I'm not going to, I'm not coping well with that dead Ewok at all. We have this brilliant scene where the the two Ewoks and Chewie get in the attack. Yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff there. And and then the reveal when the attack gets towards the door where Hannah's and the lid lifts off the attack and it's Chewie and it's like, like, (laughs) It's very triumphant. And then when they finally sort of like hotwire the door oh r2 has a moment where he comes and he tries to help him hotwire the door and he just like fritzes yeah 
and he all of his things kind of like jump out of himself <laughs> he just like all yeah. of his pieces. it's like it's quite it's quite exposing and I feel for I feel like it's a really like it's the worst things go for R2 at any yeah point, really. like I feel like for R2 that's a really like violent so time he's really moment yeah, it's the only time he's really out of commission and then actually C-3PO kind of, uh, says something to him like, why do you have to be so brave? Or it was something, it was, C-3PO does actually seem quite sweet. He does, about. yeah, he does, he does redeem himself a little bit and how he reacts yeah. to R2. Yeah, and then they get in closer to getting the shield down. It's all very kind of stally and then Lando's up in space and they're like, the shields aren't coming down. You know, this is, it's a trap, famously. Uh, um, moment for that, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's when Lando's like, no give him let's give him a little bit more time time. he's gonna get this down Han's gonna do this I am here for that faith that Lando has in Han but dear god there's a lot of space casualties in between like a lot of people die Uh, a lot of people die up there and that's that's rough it's rough going but then there's this moment down on Endor where like the (laughs) I think they get the shield down and then like Han has this great moment of like oh well you caught me and then he's just surrounded by Ewoks (laughs) Yeah. Oh, because he does the little like tap and run. Tap and little run. cute, like, like tap you on the shoulder, but like, oh, can't catch me. Yeah. And then he's like, and he just gives us like, these are my Ewok pals. Yeah. And it's really cute. But honest to God, like, oh. I have given some thought to the way that pe- some people have died at the hands of Ewoks. And there's some really like <sighs> grim stuff. Because, I mean, they don't have blasters. I mean, you're pretty much being s- stabbed or bludgeoned bludgeoned decapitated if you're on a speeder um crushed uh-huh. with logs i mean there's some light comedy in there as they they work out that they are not strong enough to trip up an atta which is a nice little callback to the start yeah. of empire but yeah it's all it's all good and then oh. eventually lando and yen Num and dennis lawson's character dennis lawson who is the uncle of uh ewan mcgregor really yeah, who plays Wedge Antilles. Oh. So Wedge Antilles and Lando um, in the Millennium Falcon, they are the ones to get into the Death Star and blow it up, I think. Like, I feel like there's this... Yes. Am I wrong? No, they do. They don't blow it up quite yet because Luke's still on it, but... Yes. Oh yeah, sorry. We will come to that. Yeah, yeah, sorry. You're right. Yeah, we have to get we have to get Luke off off of the Death Star. Cuz um, Luke has a sassy little comeback to the Emperor where I don't know, the Emperor's giving him some trouble about something. He says, "Well, soon I'll be dead and you with me." So like as far as Luke's concerned, he's basically there to try and redeem his father. Mm. But you're right cuz he's probably they're probably just all going to die. I mean, yeah, that's that's my attitude on trying to redeem fathers. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like maybe it just couldn't be your just, children's responsibility yeah maybe you just yeah yeah you're right so yeah there's a lot of drama up there Ugh, I, this is just how little i think of this moment actually i'm like straight on to like they blew up the death star but no we've still got vader and the emperor so what is the quick summary of this moment essentially the 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 emperor is trying to get luke to switch to the dark side because reasons he's going to try and get him to switch to come and be his employee because of plan he's headhunting him he's headhunting him it's like understand understand i'm wanting him on his side because he's powerful wouldn't it be like if you're that powerful i want you on my team not that team but i don't really understand i think his plan's a little bit loosey-goosey his plan is Um, super loosey-goosey yeah it's like i'm gonna make him hate me and yes, then I guess and I, chop off his arms and legs because that what we that's what we do. And, and I can be so, down with all of your hanger. <laughs> <laughs> so he's trying to rile him up 
looks like no and then Vader riles him up by basically being like if you don't we'll just that's fine we'll just we'll kill you maybe Leia like maybe we'll go for your sister your twin that's sister. right yeah and then that really gets Luke he snaps and he goes for him and he starts to defeat him yes which is the only relatable bit about the whole thing like yeah come after my sister slash brother yeah yeah come after my I'll sibling. get you I'll get you yeah yeah that makes sense. Um, and he gives it all ah, 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 And it was one of the bits that as a child I really related to because I was, my brother and I were, we were, he was two years older than me and we were very protective of each other. And all the way through this film, Luke's wearing, he gets shot when he's on the barge in Tatooine. He gets shot in his machine hand and he wears a glove on that hand for the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. And when I was about three or four, I had this pair of little red gloves with bows on them, like with just like a bow on the outside of the glove. And I used to wear my left hand glove on my right hand so that the bow was on the inside so you couldn't see it. Mm -hmm. And I would just wear that one 365 days a year. (laughs) (laughs) And there was a boy who lived in the alley behind our house called Andrew. He didn't live in the alley. He lived in a house that was on like this (laughs) This little cul-de-sac lane. (laughs) It wasn't like a homeless boy in the alley. He was a (laughs) mean 10-year-old called Andrew and he was my first nemesis in memory. He used to be mean to my brother. And I used to put my glove on and like run up the alley shouting look to the rescue oh my goodness and threaten Andrew with physical violence (laughs) I feel like there needs to be some kind of like (laughs) if we ever get there because it's ridiculous to talk about Patreon content when we're only at our third episode but like feel like you and David (laughs) need to have a conversation about this for 30 minutes I don't know what he really remembers about it (laughs) and it was and it's it's like he was he was horrible to David and David was five and I think I felt like I was tougher because he just didn't hit me because hitting a three-year-old girl was just a little bit too low yeah but I took that to mean that I'd obviously intimidated him and scared him off for the day. Of course, yeah. Beat the shit out of a five-year-old boy, but hitting a three-year-old girl, that's where we draw that's the pretty, line. Yeah, <laughs> can't do that. That does about sum up the level of relatability. Um, that was, yes, that's where it was. The emperor threatens, yeah. threatens that was, uh, it was, his sister, yeah. Luke's sister. Yeah. Um, so that takes um, us into, like, I'm going to kill you, no, I'm not going to win. Yeah, because Luke starts to really defeat Vader and the Emperor's like, yes, this is perfect, finish him. And then Luke, at this point, has chopped off Vader's hand Mm -hmm. and all the wires are sticking out. And he looks at the hand and then he looks at his own hand. Um, He like, I can't remember, it's like either there's a hole in his glove or he pulls his glove back and he kind of like hears the little machine noise in his hand and he kind of makes that. Something clicks in his head about like, oh, that's going to be me. Mm Mm-hmm. If I do this, so he throws his lightsaber away, and then that's when the emperor is just like, "Fuck you!" Then and just starts to electrocute him with the force lightning. Forces zap him. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And then that is when we finally get the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. Yep. Who yells no? Does he yell no in the original one? No. Uh, And according to your to your brother mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. that's quite a bone of contention. I don't Mm -hmm. remember him not yelling no or yelling I don't remember that but apparently it is like a very it is an addition an addition to the movies and it is like and I get it it is like did we need did we need a yell I feel like the no was implied yeah I think it was implied (laughs) it definitely was implied like if you're going to throw someone to to their death like the no is implied so that's great so father and son are reunited yeah nobody is going for a pint anytime soon 
Mm-mm. Like we might as well continue this thread through to um, Luke heading towards his escape ship because what we get is him dragging this person who is his father, who is more machine than man, to mm-hmm. an escape ship. And looks like it took a while and it was a little difficult. And we get the, um, which is actually legitimately very sad. You were right, that whole bit. Like, So he takes off his helmet and we get Sebastian Shaw. The actor underneath the helmet is Sebastian Shaw. Oh, and, so it's not David Price. David Price is the man who marches around. But he's just the body. He's the body. Sebastian Shaw is the actor. So Sebastian Shaw portrays the unmasked Anakin Skywalker. My mum used to call that bit where he takes his helmet off um, Darth Vader's Humpty Dumpty moment. He does. He does look. He doesn't look great. He doesn't look great. Um, Sebastian Shaw was a venerable playwright, director, novelist, actor, and that is who is under the mask. Right. Um, cause yeah, David Prowse was the person marching around in the suit, but this mm. moment when the, when the mask come off is Sebastian Shaw and, um, and they have this really, uh, beautiful exchange. You were right. Mm. You were right. It's, it's really it's moving. It is nice. And he does look shit. He does look like shit. I think there's something about when the mask comes off, you are like, all right. Yeah, this is rough. It's like when you take a plaster off that you've had on for too long. Yeah. And your skin's all... All wrinkly and super white and a bit wet and cold for no reason. Except as much as it's not really like. Well, it's as much as that is gross. You know that that is healing. There's nothing healing about this. Well, I suppose there is something healing about this moment. The mask has come off. He's like, "You were right. Tell your sister Mm -hmm. you were right." It's very moving, and uh, he does die. Mm -hmm. But Luke does get him off the Death Star. Clearly, he gets his body off the Death yeah. Star. And then Lando and his mates blow, <laughs> blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely know it's coming because as he's dragging Darth Vader to the X-Wing, I guess. Is his X-Wing still there? Because he's just landed it. I, I think so. Who cares? Who cares? Who gives a shit? Try and remember that this is not a podcast. Who cares about that shit? It's not a podcast for facts, unless they're facts that nobody asked for. Yeah. If you want to at us about an X-Wing, feel free. We don't give a fuck. It's fine. Just make it interesting. <laughs> Do you um, have a comment about daddy issues? Then we're not listening. <laughs> Do you have an unsung like, female actor that's never been credited in like, her iconic roles? Then we don't care. We don't care, babe. <laughs> so anyway, he's dragging him, but like, oh, there's general panic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The rounds, so nobody really stops them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, every all the all of the poor regular people from all of these outer rim planets we keep talking about are like abandoning ship and trying to get back to their yeah. families because this is this is going awry. So yeah. that is the chaos that they are they are in. Yeah. So we're trying to get off the Death Star. Everybody that we need to get off the Death Star gets there. Everybody sees the Death Star explode. It's a fun time. Um, That's what we're after always at the end of these missions. Yeah. And then everyone has a party. Everyone heads back to the Ewok village on Endor for a good after party. Mm. A really, what looks like a fucking excellent after party yeah proper yub nub proper yub nub ichi wawa does it look good (laughs) uh 
There are bonfires, there are food, there's booze, everyone's hugging, there's music. There's a particularly macabre moment where someone's playing a xylophone with the helmets of dead stormtroopers. I know. Yeah. It's a bit dark, but that's fine. We'll 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 let it pass. Yeah. Um, um, a final little moment with Han and Leia. What a great moment with Han and Leia. Lovely moment. They're now at the point where I guess they're expect they're kind of hoping Luke will come back. And she's out having a little bit of space and he comes out and says... Yeah, Luke's um, not quite back yet. That's exactly yeah. what it is. She's like, ooh, I'm worried. Yeah, And he says, oh, you love him, don't you? And she's, she's like, well, yeah. And he says, okay. He's like, no problem. Luke, I won't stand in your way. I won't stand in your way when you get... But he just wants his friends to be happy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He is so attractive <laughs> so nice. like part of me is like is, is this just us or is this here in the writing is this here in the writing because actually in the context of all of this stuff that has happened in this movie they didn't have any room to create a romantic drama so they were like let's just yeah. make him a cool guy <laughs> like, yeah, like, him really like, nice. like literally not the point of the story so we have the room to go yeah oh well if, if you don't if you don't love me then it's fine why would I stand in your way like yeah. because also on top of everything else that would make us dislike Han so like why would they do that so like yeah it's just like it's just so perfect he's like okay and he does and he means it he's like okay mm-hmm. when he gets back i won't stand in your way and she's like you doofus yeah my brother and then she goes and kisses and he's just like his face is just like what <laughs> it's <laughs> There's amazing. so much information to absorb and he's he's doing a great job. He's just yeah. like for the little himbo that he is. Oh, he's doing a he's wonderful fantastic. job. <laughs> so everyone's having a great time. Um, people are re- reunited, and then we get that arguably iconic scene where we we see Luke setting fire mm-hmm. into the body of Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. I like that shot actually. I really do. The the kind of um, drama queen in me likes that shot. Yeah. Oh yeah. I like that it's a good shot. shot. So we get that. And then mm-hmm. everybody comes back together. Huggy huggy party party kissy kissy. Mm-hmm. And then something happens that I'm really not okay with. Yeah. I mean I have I have like several lines about different people having cuddles and I think that's just COVID done that that's done that to me. It's like look at that cuddle and then look at that cuddle. I feel Luke's like having his moment. Let's hear your cuddles. Let's give us your cuddle list because there's there's a Han Lando cuddle. Oh yeah, it's the best one. They yeah. just are just so delighted to see each other. There's a Leia Luke cuddle. There's a Leia. Is there a Leia Chewy cuddle? There's. I feel a, like I want to figure out a way of making a cuddle montage happen on social media. I basically and then I have just written all the cuddles. I want them all framed in a gallery wall. Okay. And the, uh, and not like an art gallery, like above my sofa. Great. I want that okay. gallery wall just of all of the different friends cuddling and then when the pandemic's over and we can all cuddle again I want to intersperse those pictures with pictures of (laughs) cuddling people yeah it's as important as it was at the end of the battle against the fascist regime they have seen each other more recently yeah they've seen each other a lot compared to us yeah yeah lots of cuddles some of them were at a party last night oh god and then your bit or not your bit no one's bit no one's bit this is no one's bit (laughs) no one's bit George no one's bit I just I'm not livid about much but I'm livid about this so we get 
the moment in the middle of the party where Luke has clearly come up on his pill and he wanders off to lean against a tree and look at his force pals, his force Some ghost pals. pals. Yeah. So he sees Yoda, who looks like Yoda has always looked. He sees keeping up with the Kenobis, looking <laughs> as he has always looked. And then Hayden Christensen is there. Mm-mm. I'm sorry, but no. Not okay. It's not okay. It is not okay. I feel like, and I have thoughts on this, I feel like, I genuinely feel like at the point at which they were remaking the Star Wars stuff, when they were making Phantom Menace, etc., mm-hmm. that they thought that Hayden Christensen was going to be the biggest star on the planet. And that mm-hmm. they thought he, that, that what that's what they were doing. They were making the next biggest star on the planet. Like a Robert Pattinson or a Daniel Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. Except they didn't, <laughs> because A, no shade, like genuinely no shade. This is just a fact. Hayden Christensen is not that great an actor. And B, you combine you combine not that great an actor with absolutely appalling material. The guy had no hope. And Mm-mm. I'm not, it's not, I'm not like anti-Hayden Christensen, but I am really averse to the fact that he is now the thing that you see at the end of these movies. Yeah, I really hate it. I I think it's terrible because the other thing that bothers me about it is that why why is it why is it Hayden Christensen? Because actually, the moment of pure redemption was the moment that he just had uh-huh. as Sebastian Shaw. So it should be if he came back round to the Force at the end of his life. That is the version of him you should see. Mm-hmm. Not the version that turned evil. Yeah. Like, it's just, and the fact that they've not gone back and fixed it kind of bothers me because I'm a bit like, well, you were really like quick to edit everything else in the movies, like things you didn't like or things you wanted to add to. Like, Hayden uh, Christian, Kish, Christensen is not a big star. Everybody hates those movies. So, why is he still there? Yeah. Why is he still the guy at the end of Return of the Jedi? It should be Sebastian Shaw. Uh, sorry, really bothers me. <laughs> No, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. And it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it makes sense from a commercial point of view. I can see why they went and did it. If he'd been like the next Harrison Ford. Yeah. And I think that's why they did it. They've just never fixed it. They've never retroactively gone back and gone... And I think there are two things, like my industry head goes on, I think there are two things at play here. Sebastian Shaw would not have had a contract that says, actually, don't ever remove me from these movies. He would yeah. just be like, this is a job, great, fine. Uh, Hayden Christensen, on, on the other hand, would have had a contract that said, you are going to be the next thing. You're mm-hmm. going to be our Star Wars guy. And that's what's yeah. going to happen. So there's probably a contract written somewhere was like, we are going to put you in the edit of Empire um, of Jedi and that is where you will stay because you're going to be yeah. a big star and that is our that is our thing that we made you a big star so I think it's a contractual thing and it probably can't ever get removed because of that and I think that's partly why I hate it so much because I know so much about the movie industry that I'm like that feels like a, a decision obligation. based around like we're going to yeah. make this guy a fucking star and it didn't work did not fucking work. <laughs> I always, I feel really bad for stars, people who get parts in huge franchises like that and then you never really, it never really goes anywhere and I, I worry about it for, I mean, I feel bad for a couple for... of the guys, like the new trilogy as well. And um, like I saw, like there was an article like Daisy Ridley was struggling to get parts. I'm sure that won't be the case forever. No, but um, I mean, Daisy Ridley, right. And, and 
Daisy Ridley is great, but she's a really interesting one for me because there's this really like iconic story that is out there now of her because she's not on social media now for understandable reasons. Yeah. But in the early part of her doing that job. Um, it was a very early job for her graduating uh, drama school. And she got, mm. she kind of got the part through various means that weren't necessarily just about her talent because there's this story that's out there in the industry now of her, of J.J. Of Abrams having a quiet word with her after the first like three months of filming on the first one, which which was basically like, you need to be better. Right. And she talks about this quite candidly. I think there's a Graham Norton interview. There's something out there. I'll try and find it for you and send it to you because I really feel for her because there's this really candid interview because she's shitting herself. She's like 24 years old. It's her first job. Mm -hmm. She's basically the lead in a Star Wars franchise, which let's face it, she's been cast in primarily because of the way she looks. And she's been brought into this environment with no care, no support. And J.J. Abrams comes up to her and says, be a better actor. Not unlike Carrie Fisher. Well, yes, exactly. And J.J. Abrams comes up to her and says, be a better actor. And she shits herself. She understandably shits herself. Um... And goes away and figures out goes away and figures out a way to be a better actor. Mm. In inverted commas for JJ Abrams. But like that's like the level that we're dealing with. Like these things are not these things are not decided based on all of the levels of, of things that they should be based on. Mm-hmm. Talent, care, discussion, collaboration. Like she was put thrown in at the deep end and then told you need to get your shit together and get your act together because we have placed all of this money and time in you and you're not as good an actress as we hoped yeah. you would be. Um, which is not that girl's fault. It's absolutely mm. not her fault. Um, no one, I would argue that there's no one's as brilliant an actress or actor as they can be under situations like that. Yeah. Um, I cannot remember why I'm telling this story. Hayden uh, Christensen shouldn't Hayden be Christensen. at the end of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah. I would think he would have been under the same amount of pressure. Yeah. And uh, he's not a great actor. And I think the fact that he has literally never worked again is testament to that. Yeah, I feel like um, there were a couple of films that seemed to come out qu- in quite quick succession and then nothing. Yeah, which is not me saying that I am not like... I don't know I don't know anything about Christian Hagenson. Uh, Christian, what's his name? That's a lot of pressure. I'm going to IMDb him real quick. Potentially, like... Well, I was going to say potentially more pressure than Daisy Ridley was under, but actually that's not even possible because she was a woman. He is in currently filming the Obi-Wan Kenobi the keeping up with Kenobis. Okay, we have to draw this to a conclusion. Yeah. Okay, so those are my really strong feelings about that. Like I feel Yeah, I think I think they're warranted. I feel like Sebastian Shaw should have been left in as a force ghost. Uh-huh. It That's fits. What I think. Yeah, it fits. And that is my concluding thought. <laughs> <laughs> to end on a nice note, the last shot is of the gang all together. It is. Having a cuddle and a smile, and Lando's doing a wee clap clap. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only one that's oh. adorable. Oh, well. That's Star Wars. That's Star Wars. I really enjoyed it. I feel like at some point down the line, we could return to Star Wars. Could do the later ones. Yeah, I think I think doing the later ones would be my preference, but not for a wee while yet. I'm quite happy to leave this galaxy far, far away for now. Yeah, it'd be nice to do something else. Yeah, but it was wonderful to return to them and talk about them. Mm -hmm. And I still love them. I it was great. So <laughs> I love great. this so much. <laughs> I really like that a lot of the things that I really liked about it have aged so well and have actually proven to be better. Like when I've taken time to look at it properly and think about what is actually going on there. It's better than you would expect from films from the late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. 
in the way they treat issues and I just I love it I just like to put out into the universe Mark Hamill if you're listening come and have a chat with us we'd love to talk to you I will not really be able to talk for at least three hours so I hope we can have a three and a half hour conversation yeah I would love that R.I.P. me in advance All right, I think we're at the end of this particular podcast. I think we've given you more than enough. What a nice way to start doing a podcast together to cover three such important films. It was good. I had a good time. All right. Wrap her up, Fuzzball. (laughs) (laughs) That was I'll Have What She's Podcasting. Thanks to Chris Gorman for the edit and the sound design. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at She's Podcasting. If you liked this, you might also enjoy our sister podcast, Persistent and Nasty, which is all about amplifying marginalised voices in film and theatre. Thanks for listening and see you next time.